This month's trail show is sponsored by Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent. Based in New Hampshire, tortured tested in the White Mountains. Ben's Tick and Insect Repellents are fragrance-free and last all day long. And now, for the first time, the official authorized tall tale of how Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent was created, featuring the man Ben himself, his friend the Sasquatch, and a lot of skeeters. Ben's story, part one. When Ben was two years old, he crawled out of a bear cave deep in the backwoods of New Hampshire. As he took his first look around, the Sasquatch walked by. Is that a bald bear cub or a bearded baby? Ah, stop pulling my fur. So began a lifelong friendship. When Ben was five years old, he built his first log cabin. That should keep the bugs out of my beard, or my name's not Ben. At the age of seven, Ben headed to explore the Pemajewatsit Wilderness in the Great White Mountains of New Hampshire. He didn't go far before he ran into 10,000 tiny problems. Where did all these skeeters come from? Within minutes, Ben had bites everywhere except under his thick beard and loincloth. Will those be enough to protect our fearless adventure? Stay tuned to find out. We'll have the rest of the story from Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent later in the show. For more info, visit bens30.com slash trailshow and find Ben's on Amazon. You're tuned to The Trail Show. Get on the trail! Long-time listener, first-time caller. Arriba, 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 tota! It's The Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike D'Lo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Junaid Special 41 Daoud. And I can't help but think that you know Trail Show Bob. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's the Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Walters studio in both historic Salida, Colorado and semi-historic Boulder, Colorado, this is the Trail Show. Trail Show is the longest running hiking podcast on the planet. And it's been downloaded over 1 million times in 150 countries across the globe. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide wherever you download your favorite podcasts and at thetrailshow.com. And folks, this is our eight-year anniversary show. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, big ups. Whoop, whoop. whoop. Eight years, people. Eight years, D-Lo. The Ocho. The host muted me. I wasn't able D-Lo. to. Uh, I wasn't able to howl. The host muted me. Eight eight years. So uh, yeah. I guess that means for me it's like the like six and a half years, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we've got another physical distancing show tonight, which is why all of us are in separate recording locations. 
even pod and i are here in salida but we're in separate rooms that's right they're doing their part people they're doing their parts. <laughs> we've yet to find out if this is a recording technique or if they just had an argument this morning and <laughs> have relocated to different or rooms. maybe they just don't like each other special triple o and d lo are in boulder also in separate locations that's true we may be in the midst of a global pandemic but the show must go on that's right PD. i mean all, always forward never straight that's right forward always in this meditation have y'all been enjoying any good like a uh, uh, apocalyptic uh genre stuff during the no uh, that sounds no? terrible really no. oh no. not me okay. all right like let what? me set the table let me set the table how about that shoot it so we're gonna have some an interesting beer of the month this month i think oh that none that? of us that none of us have except for you uh well two other people have some good beer of the month as well mm -hmm. so we're also mm. we previously recorded an interview with inyaki um about the international appalachian trail uh so that's going to be dropped in at some point uh we're gonna you know, do i might actually listen to this month's show yeah nice. i kind of want to hear about that uh we have a media review with pat dixon more to come now. we're going to do a conservation interview with uh, matthew nelson from the azta quick little check-in about a very specific issue that's going on uh, we've got some hotline calls we've got some letters to read uh a couple of ask a hiker questions and you know some of the normal shenanigans all right now it's time for Mike DiLorenzo's Beer of the Month. DiLo, take it away. No, I'm not going to do that because I do not have the Beer of the Month and I am very upset about that. I'm sorry. You're I not even defer... drinking beer. Oh, he's on strike. <laughs> no, I, know. I, would defer, strike. I would defer to somebody else who actually has the Beer of the Month on their person tonight and can read the label for me because I am not about to read the label from this Kansas. So I'm drinking... Um... <laughs> <laughs> muted viciously crane. muted by the, zoo, oh. by the show host i'm drinking crane brewing um crush which is uh american sour ale with grapes yeah uh, it looks like i can unmute and, uh, <laughs> just like unmuted uh, uh, anyway um so we're, we're continuing to drink some of those oh. beers. <laughs> some of those beers that Martin Swank sent because um, there were just so many of them and we didn't get a chance to share them with you guys. So they just, they just keep going. I didn't get a chance, you mean, uh, after last month's show, decided not to send us any. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. The mail, the mail still works and needs working. our help. You know, they still need our help. Disco, what are you drinking? Dilo, I'm hoping you can read my can. Uh, yes, it's the Kansas American Wheat Beer Amphibious Ale Defiance Brewing Company. Um, is there a way to hold on? I'm, I need it's to. It's really good. Hold on, let me pin that video. There it is. Defiance Brewing Company. It looks like it's a uh, wait, a 12 ounce can established in 2013. It looks to be about a 5.7 percent ABV. I don't know. It's very blurry. Um, where is the Defiance yep. Brewing Company? It's most likely in Lawrence, Kansas, where everything good in Kansas happens. Is that correct? Uh, Defiance Brewing Camp Company is out of Hayes, Kansas. Oh, Hayes, oh. Kansas, which is probably a suburb of Lawrence. Triple um, uh, O and Special, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> well, I am drinking the Florida Man. Yeah. You the got the Florida oh. Man? 
He's got it. Dude, where did you buy that? Florida man. Where did you I get didn't that? buy it. It was special delivered by special to my front door. Wow. Where did you find the Florida well, technically man? Technically to your front gate. Front gate, yes. Yeah. Whoa. Special, mm-hmm. where did you find the Florida man? Uh it it, it came to me um courtesy of Sunday. Yeah, so it came came the other day in the mail. Oh wow. <laughs> I think I might know. It was supposed yeah, to go to a Salida night. address, but they messed up the shipping, I think, and it just oh. got redirected somehow. Ah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, some somebody thought that maybe uh um Triple O and I would appreciate having some uh, some nice beers sent to us and and since Triple O is a Florida man, uh you know, it's true. Florida yeah. man seemed like a pretty good one. Do you want to talk about yours and then I'll talk about what I'm drinking? Yes, this has unpredictable varieties of hops used in nearly criminal volumes combined to create a bold citrusy double IPA brewed to pay tribute to the world's worst superhero, Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a, it is a solid 8.5% alcohol content, 80 IBUs. Dilo, that's right up your alley. I know. I'm, I'm upset. I went to the liquor store earlier this week and I said, and the, the gentleman at the liquor store said, hey, can I help you find anything? And I said, do you have the Florida man from Cigar City? And he looked at me and he said, no, we do not. Oh. Did he look down at the floor afterwards, like with Shane? No, he didn't. No, yeah, that's you know. Then you train him better. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, I am also drinking uh, from Cigar City Brewing the Margarita Gosa. Uh, this is described as refreshingly tart, and I will tell you that I agree fully. Uh, this is described as a tropical influence meets innovative brewing in this tart margarita-inspired ale. Effervescent on the palate, our Margarita Gosa utilizes orange peel, lime, and salt to create a zesty, light-bodied, and entirely unique beer experience. Uh, this nice. isn't a, a big heavy hitter. It's only uh, coming in at about 4.2. And I think that's great because I can totally just drink these all day. So Yeah, it's perfect uh, for summer. I mean, yeah. Sessionable. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to Martin mm-hmm. Swank and to The weekend for these amazing beers. Oh, what about me? Dilo, what, what are you, you? drinking? Oh, I'm drinking Lazy Day Pinot Noir. Okay, thanks, Dilo, to, you thanks to your wife's book club for that delicious wine that you're drinking. That was hilarious and a little sexist. Yeah. I, I, bought the, I bought the Lazy Day Pinot Noir myself uh, oh, this week. It is okay. A, uh, yeah. Dilo, at, the, at, the largest, at the largest liquor store in Boulder, they usually have some sort of wine that's on half price sale. Okay, and now it's time for trail news. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have trail news with Special 41. Here it is. All right. So, um, you know, we don't have a whole lot of trail news um, right now. <laughs> um at- Imagine that. Uh, but we do have some. Um, so I'm going to start off with what I think is actually uh, pretty exciting news, and it's pretty fast story, too. Uh, Tarp Tent has uh, announced the release of a uh, double rainbow lithium, mm. um, or LI. Uh, and this is going to be a Dyneema 
tarp tent. Uh, basically, it looks like it's pretty much the, the double rainbow in terms of its design, uh, but just made with like these Dyneema composite fabrics, uh, which are, you know, lighter and, and, and pretty tough. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think cool. that's pretty cool. I actually uh, have used a, a rainbow and a double rainbow a little bit, and, and they're definitely like one of those classic uh, tents, I think, that always a solid option. Yeah, I used the um, rainbow the whole Europe hike. Yep, see, there we Great. go. Really? I recommended so a double rainbow for my boss. She bought it, but you're supposed to seam seal it. She did not seam seal oh. it because she didn't Ooh. know what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no longer takes recommendations from me. Mm, but special. it's a great tent when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Special, I thought you were going to do the story on the new $200 duffel bag from CPAX, but I guess not. Wait, did you send that to me? I missed it. I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic. Oh, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> hey, I feel like this is not... Uh, so to me, like the uh, tarp tent doing... Um, doing a double rainbow with the Dyneema is almost more like uh, a piece of trail history trail yeah. news, you know, because sure. it's, it, it is one of those, one of those uh, pieces of gear that um, is pretty classic. Um, I myself, you know, have used different tarp tent uh, designs and liked them. Uh, for the most part, I've used other stuff over the last several years, but uh, definitely like, I think an iconic piece yeah. Um, you know, I feel like maybe we talked about this next story at some point before, but I couldn't really remember and I was too lazy to try to look it up. Uh, so we're just going to talk about it. Um, this is the, uh, the longest coastal walking route in the world will be opening uh, next year. It's going to be um, about over 2,700 miles. And this is essentially goes around the, the it goes around England, England, um, and you know this will be yeah on par with like the the PCT or the AT in terms of its length, um, but it's along the coastal margin the entire time. So you know some of this will actually be like right along uh, beaches, and uh, you know there there will also be uh, some amount of like you know hostel and pub and like town amenity available um, along quite a bit of it but you know also some pretty cool scenic coastlines as well so everything from rocky cliffs and sandy beaches to pub hostels to castles to um probably some pretty crappy days of weather uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah actually i think it sounds kind of cool uh i i kind of like the idea of of uh, a coastal walk where where you can like stop into pubs, um, like old English coastal pubs and like have a pint on some days. And yeah, it sounds kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I always thought that'd be like a great group, like reunion hike. Right. Yeah, like, be... a, like a PCT friend group or whatever. Yeah. 2,700 miles though, man. That's maybe not that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just walking from pub to pub around, around... Oh, the coast to coast hike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you could be the first person to, instead of through hiking it, you could be the first person to through amble it, you know, uh, <laughs> or through sauntering it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, the coast path is, uh, is, I think, what they're 
calling it, which seems strangely lame on the one hand, but yeah, look, look for pieces of it opening uh, soon. Uh, and they're expecting it to be pretty much complete by mid 2021. Uh, some stretches are actually already finished. I imagine these are probably, you know, trails that have been there for quite a while and other other systems that have had like hmm. expanded uh recently expanded but they're they're looking to make it like pretty much a continuous uh deal um it is like four different sections but it's essentially like an all around the coasts kind of a deal the next two stories are kind of about the whole covid thing so let's talk about it so Colorado Open Space say they've had uh, record numbers of visitors recently. Part of that has been an issue because anytime you have increased visitors, you have increased misuse of a, of a resource. And so they're seeing some of that. But they're also like, uh, it's kind of like a trail crowding when people are supposed to be doing the social distancing um, kind of a deal. Basically, the, the deal in Colorado right now is that they're asking people to recreate within 10 miles of their homes. Um, people are allowed to visit state parks and open spaces. Um, they are supposed to maintain, uh, you know, quote unquote, proper social distancing measures while they're recreating in these state parks and, and open spaces. And they do have some stuff that's closed. And, you know, this is again, I mean, like for state stuff, this isn't, isn't for, for federal lands, but they're asking people to like wear a face mask, six feet of distance, um, you know, if the parking lot's full, go elsewhere, don't park where you're not supposed to, um, you know, don't go in, in groups of more than four. They're asking people to, and I like that this is actually just straight up leave no trace, walk through mud rather than around it and keep off vegetation. So oh, nice. you know, uh, stay out of closed areas, um, and, and to not take risks, uh, so that they don't put, uh, first responders, uh, into a situation where they're having to, to respond to your mistake. Uh, so I think that those are all kind of like, uh, even if this wasn't COVID times, probably not bad advice anyway, smaller groups are better. Hey, if you notice a place is crowded, maybe try to go somewhere else. Uh, don't, don't park where you're not supposed to. Uh, even the six feet of distance, yeah, give people some room. Don't step on my feet. Um, you know, one one thing that I've seen uh, when I've been out on the trail a few times recently is due to the social distancing and this uh, this this six foot distance that we all must attain from uh, attain from every other human being on the planet right now. Um, people on the trail will oftentimes walk off of the trail and keep walking to maintain that six foot distance. Right. Uh, and, and that's actually a bad thing because when you get off the trail, if you don't just stop and then come back, you are actually making a new trail. And so you are making that single track or that small double track that you know and love into this big wide thing, this braided thing. So it's really important if you want to, if, if you feel the need to, if you're wearing a face covering and you feel the need to maintain that distance from people and you want to step away from them, don't keep walking, stop. Let them go and then get back. Don't keep walking. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of that recently, and it's, uh, I think it's, it's a big deal. I definitely think it's great that people are getting outside. Um, I, I am always, of course, of the opinion that if people are aware of how they're supposed to act in the outdoors, 
uh, more people will make the better decisions. Uh, so hopefully people will will kind of take heed of some of this and and uh, yeah, not not widen the trail um, and uh, try to keep keep things crowded. You know, disperse that use. Um, so this story actually kind of segues though into the next story, which is that. Um, and first of all, uh, Trail Show Legal, I mean, like maybe you need to put out a disclaimer here. Uh, we're not doctors. Nobody really knows everything. Uh, no one should be to, confused by that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, uh, obviously keep up with the, the latest information in your local area, blah, 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 blah. There have been a couple of studies that have come out um, and some, some of the statistics are beginning to suggest that... Uh, uh, spread of COVID in the outdoors. So, you know, like while you're recreating outdoors um, is actually uh, quite low. Uh, in some of these cases, they've, you know, done like whatever it was, like 1,100 people and, you know, only like 10 or 12 of them or something like that uh, were actually traced back to people who were infected outside. Um, so, Basically, it's it's kind of looking like uh, going outside might be more like the thing to do rather than than staying in. And I don't necessarily mean like staying in at home. People should be staying home, doing whatever, all that kind of stuff. But as far as recreating outdoors and even maybe I think this summer it might end up kind of going the way that, that uh, people will have more social gatherings in smaller groups, but they'll all be in backyards and front porches and stuff like that. I do think it's pretty promising uh, that, you know, when you've got uh, some of the, these, these results indicating that, that you've got like, like I said, it was like, I think over a thousand and um, uh, people that got it and less and less than like 20 of them, uh, were from from outdoor infections, so it se seems like a, a a good indicator that that maybe doing stuff outside will be okay. And there he goes out the door, special forty one. All right, and he's back. Whew. All right, I think we've got a special musical guest this evening, Peony. Yes, we do. He's going to be hopping on here any moment. And isn't he part of the North Texas Trail Tamers? Yeah, we should ask him about that when he Not when he to be confused him. with the North Mississippi All-Stars. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Holy, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, oh, wow. we have with us Mr. Pat Axel Dixon. Oh. Whoop, whoop. You hear me? We can yeah. hear you, man. Welcome oh, yeah. to we the show. Oh, yeah, we can hear you. We can All see you. All right, that works. So, so uh, welcome to the show. Um, Long-time listener. Thank you for all the uh, musical content you've provided over the years. Uh, yes. The reason, uh, just to let Trail Show Nation know, the reason that we've invited um, Pat Dixon onto our show tonight was because he just released an album of greatest of hits and a collection of other things i believe of um trail show related and hiking related uh tunes is that correct uh that's correct and i'm looking forward to going to the grammys and hanging out with uh lady gaga and ed sheeran and all the people <laughs> Sweet. when this album hits platinum 
I want to thank the Trails Show for making me a superstar. Oh, you know, of course. We, I actually, we will be so happy to attend those parties with you. Yes, with right. my face. I'm not mask. sure you're invited. <laughs> well, I'll have to talk to my fine. people. Okay, I mean, you know, if, if, if you get like a plus seven, you know. I actually, um, we actually purchased the album and I was listening to it. And a couple of things I didn't realize was that you had made a song for Snorkel. Yeah. And a song for Mr. P. Mags. The late Paul Mignanti. Well, I figured I'd had, to, since I started the process, yeah. I had to fill out all the chairs. Right. I didn't want to leave people hanging, so. I noticed you did not make a song for Buck 30, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, is, does Buck 30 actually have an official chair in the trail show? No, he sits no. in the corner. Oh, well, there you go. The <laughs> yeah. So, Pat, talk to us about, you know, we hear a lot of different instruments on these tracks. Yeah. And we hear we hear your voice we hear horns we hear guitar we hear all of it you do everything right you do all all of it you're a one man show uh, except for the robots what i got a team of robots who are playing all the other instruments but uh no actually so i play guitar bass trumpet and i sing and everything else you hear is something I probably composed and did did some computer generated music. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. How many times, like, how many uh, layers do you have to do, like, on a song where you you have you know you've got several instruments that you're playing and recording music? How many times do you have to go through to do all of that layering? to record the final track? Well, uh, so if you mean layering, um, I could geek out here a little bit, I guess, but I use GarageBand. Mm -hmm. So if people yeah. are familiar with GarageBand, what it lets you do is you can record the guitar. And when you get, it, get the guitar to where you like it, okay, you can do the vocal, and then you can do the drum, and then you can do... So uh, once it, it makes it, a lot easier than in the old days when you had like tape. Right. And sometimes you had to, you had four tracks and you're trying to record like 10 things and you're trying to squeeze them into four things and mix them. So I kind of like the way uh, GarageBand lets you do things. Where do you record? There's a, another room in my house where okay. I, I got a studio like, well, the podcasters can't see it, but it's way back there. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry, my audio dropped for a second there, and may, maybe you talked about this, but how, how long have you been playing music? Uh, the very first instrument I played was in third grade. Uh, but, you know, it's not like I was ever a professional or anything. It's just kind of a hobby that uh, over the course of years, I got more active. It kind of really escalated when I got out of college, went to Phoenix, Arizona, and it turned out the company I worked for had a bunch of musicians in it, and they had me sing. We were the oh. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman Band. Nice. The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that's it. A, that's a great name. That's a grandota if I've ever heard of one. And um, I'm also curious if you've uh, – so I'm actually trying to teach myself music right now. Uh, so I think it's, you know, 
pretty pretty cool. Um, have you messed around with other um, programs besides uh, GarageBand? Because I've been doing another one called like Ableton. Have you done any any of those or or anything? Yeah. Uh, so I'll try not to geek out too much again, but the the program I use the most is something called Finale. So what I actually do is notate things, and when I'm done. I can generate the sound from that and then put it all in the garage band. Okay, cool. Hey, Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first song we ever received from you was Back on the Trail. Yes. Okay, talk to us about that song because it's kind of iconic. Yeah, it's iconic amongst yeah. Trail Show Nation. And what, what was the inspiration for that song? Like, how did it come about? How, how did Back on the Trail, how was it born? In 1998, uh, my buddy Dave said, let's go hiking in the Pesaten Wilderness up in the Cascades in northern Washington. I had never done a real hike. I mean, I've been out in the woods, do day hike and so forth, but I never put a pack on and plan for where am I going to get water, how am I going to eat and all that. So on the final day, we were doing the climb back to Slate Peak. So you're on this ascent. And as I'm going up, in my head, I'm saying, we don't stop till we get up this hill. And it just kept going and going and going. And okay, what does that sound like? It sounds like heavy metal. Sounds like some yeah. high-pitched vocalist screaming. It sounds like we don't stop till we get up that hill. But much better. Right? <laughs> right? We, we don't stop till we get up that hill. Back so, on the so trail. That stuck in my head <laughs> from 98 until 2015 when Teresa Martinez said, hey, you know, there's this podcast called The Trail Show. You ought to listen to it. <laughs> and I remember hearing you say, hey, uh, guys, we could use some music. And I said, well, that yep. might be the time to do something with that song that has wow. been in my head all that time, so that's what happened. The Pesaden Wilderness, it was born there. Yeah. Yep, it was so born crazy. on the ascent to Slate Peak. Um, I want to ask you a question about your hat. Is that the Texas Trail Tamer hat that you're wearing there? Yes, and it's a Texas oh. Trail Tamer. I wear my, my team logos, so I got my team uh, ensemble here, the mm -hmm. Texas Trail Tamers, yes. Tell us about the Texas Trail Tamers. Uh, we like to dig in the dirt, uh, especially in the summer when it's like 110 degrees here. If we can go to the Carson National Forest, yeah. where it's like 10,000 feet elevation and gorgeous and, and nice, or going up the Rocky Mountain National Park. So that's what we like to do in the summer, get away, do a work project. And then around uh, here, we do a lot of weekend projects. We also go out to Big Bend a lot. so. Uh, we just like building and maintain, maintaining trail. Remind me again where you are. I'm in near Austin. Okay. So Austin, near Austin sounds like kind of a cool place, and it sounds like you have a recording studio already set up. So maybe maybe the trail show, when everything's oh. you know safe again, we can take a little field trip. Down yeah, to uh, come on down. Uh, well, actually, I have a – a St. Patrick's Day party every year, but obviously it didn't happen this year. Mm -hmm. So maybe when things break out, we'll have some kind of party and y'all can come down. 
Will you promise me that you will, like it. that you'll be drinking enough that you'll have to lean onto the trash can to hold yourself up? Now, DOD, <laughs> I have a different version of what you saw outside of the uh, the little toad there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was enjoying myself, but I it wasn't like I needed to lean on the trash can. No, I mean I people was, lean on trash cans just because it's fun. I mean. Oh, yeah, that's what I do all the time. I go around town looking for trash cans to lean on. Yep. (laughs) Oh, man. No. That's Um, a fun day for me. Yeah. Well, I once saw Dilo had to crawl to his bedroom in his apartment. Yeah, we we did see that. that. It was a Thanksgiving. Never happened. Never happened. (laughs) On all fours. Never happened. No, sir. Um, No, ma'am. So anyway, I uh, I was listening. I listened to the whole album today again, just because I wanted to like have some reference. And I think one of the things I love about the album is that the music is also different. You know, often when you buy an album from an artist, you know, their music is related to each other. It's a similar style. But the cool thing about your album is that there's there's death metal, there's blues, there's instrumentals of all different kinds. Um, there's the disco music. Um, I really like Mags' song as well. We'll drop that in at the end of the interview. It, it's a nice collection of different, different genres, you know? And, and I think that that speaks to the depth of your talent as well, that you can, you know, do all of these different types of genres and pull them off. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. Well, just don't expect any gangster rap. Okay, that's where you draw the line. the line there. Okay. <laughs> that would be great. Who did the child's voice on special song? Yeah, I was actually curious about that too. That is my five-year-old nephew, Gabriel. That's Uh, awesome. Well, tell Gabriel, thank you. (laughs) I was delighted when I got my, uh, when I got to hear my song for the first time. Yeah. Well, well, I got to tell you, you talk about herding cats, trying to get any kind of recording out of him. (laughs) Holy heck. So I'm glad I got what I got, and it worked out very well. Oh, it's yeah. great. It talked to me about Gila River Blues. That's one of my favorites. So was that born on the CDT, hiking through the Gila River? Like, where did, it, where did that come from? Yeah, when I was going through the Gila River, there were two songs were kind of inspired by going through the Gila. So Gila River Blues, obviously. Um, the other, the Puds song. Uh, uh-huh. The the tempo and rhythm to that was like when I was going to the, through the Gila and I'm hearing my backpack at a certain tempo hitting my back. Yeah, that's where that march idea came from. But the Gila River Blues, when I got to Chama, New Mexico, there was a girl named Mary Stover who hiked the CDT in 1981. She had a bunch of us hikers over her house. She happened to have a guitar. My fingers hadn't touched the guitar in quite a while, and I picked it up. And goofing around, I got a few chords, and mm, I think those chords would work with how I felt in the Gila River. Hmm. And that's how that happened. Very good. And the title of the album, Hey Ho, that's, your, that's kind of your, your sound off. Where, did, where does that come from? That has to go way back. Well, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg has shizzle, so that's I right. got hee ho. That's my word. Um, and uh, I think it was inspired. Uh, there was a movie called Gremlins a long time ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. The little gremlins, they sing, 
hi ho, hi ho, but it's sort of like hee ho, hee ho. Yeah. And that's where that came from. And I use it for multiple purposes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can get the album on iTunes and on Google Play. Is it available anywhere else? Yeah, it's in Spotify. I know. Uh, Ooh, okay. I'll have to tell you. I'll tell you a funny story if you if you got just a second. So, sure, sure. I've oh, had yeah. uh, some major issues with distribution. It's supposed to be on like 36 different places where you can find and download music. Spotify mm -hmm. is one of them. So I got uh, a message from Bobby Walters, and she said, "Hey, I found your album and I like it, but I." don't like this other stuff that's on your channel. And I said, well, what do you mean? So I went to this Spotify channel. They put my album on the channel of a comedian named Pat Dixon out of New York City. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, no. so this people who go to Spotify, they're going to think that this com rather blue comedian who used oh, some, no. uses some colorful language also made this album about hiking music. And then I found the same thing on YouTube. So okay. I've been oh, wrestling no. these people about, hey, I'm not that same guy. Right. And I had to explain to Bobby, you know, I'm not as nasty as that other guy. Actually, I talked to the guy. I said, hey, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but somebody just put my album on your channel. And he said, I like your album, but I can't do anything about it. So, uh, huh. Oh, that's, that's a funny. bit of a conundrum. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully that gets worked out. Well, maybe oh. I'll get some comedy gigs out of it, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> some of that guy's listeners will buy your album. Right? Oh, you cross-pollination. Okay. You, you uh, could just yeah. show up to these comedy gigs and just start playing music, and people will be like, when's the – the What's the deal here? Yeah, yeah we'll make it a multi-genre experience. <laughs> That's right. You guys can team up, tour together. If the price is right. <laughs> you just need to find one more Pat Dixon who does like interpretive dance or something. That'll be perfect. Well, I, when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, one time I came home and on my answering machine was a message that says, hey, Pat, man, we're coming over. Let's party. I said, what's going on? It turned out that in Phoenix... There was a guy named Pat Dixon who was a drummer for a metal band named Icon. And oh, I wow. yes. a bunch of heavy metal people were coming to my house. <laughs> That's great. You should play him back on the trail. They'll yeah, totally. Right at home. Uh, with that. Yeah, maybe it sounds better with a real drummer than what I'm doing. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Well, hey, um, we are so grateful for all of the musical content you've been providing for us for years. Really appreciate it. Definitely. We appreciate yes. your trail work as well. Thank you so much. And uh, enjoy doing it. I appreciate you giving me an audience. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, listeners, everybody needs to go out and, and uh, purchase Pat Dixon's musical album, not the comedy special. Um, <laughs> and if you find a rap album by Pat Dixon, probably not the same Pat Dixon. No, it won't, it won't be me. No, it won't be. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate it. And I think it's so great that you put all of this stuff together in a collection. For yeah. History. It's fantastic. And it's uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I encourage anybody to, to go out and uh, download. It has like, what, 17 different tracks, I think, or 18? 18. 18. Yeah, 18. Tracks. Well, of course, one sort of a duplicate. You got the long and short version of 
back on the trail. Nice. But that's the thing that artists do anyway. So, you know. And, and when is yeah, the yeah, album? Yeah, that's what we artists do. That's it's, right. <laughs> Pat, yeah. when's the Unplugged album coming out? <laughs> well, I, I got a few in the works. So this was my very first attempt at doing anything yeah. where I put what I had out to the public. Um, I got a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, maybe I got some lessons learned so that the next time it'll be easier. But uh, well, I don't know what genre it's going to be. Well, Just, we'll it look forward be, to it. It won't be gangster rap. Okay. <laughs> we'll look forward to anything and everything. If you want to put some more music on the show, just send it our way. We'll put it up. Yeah, well, I totally. appreciate it. Yeah, okay. we appreciate oh, we it. We appreciate it. Yep. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us this evening. And uh, yeah, keep us posted if you have some more tracks. Oh, D'Lo? Yes, before we let Pat go, I think the five of us should sing Back on the Trail as kind of an outro. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like it. So, do you, uh, do you want to sing else? along with it? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Just, yeah. I, I think you should can, probably can get us all it? Can started. Can you cue yeah. it, Disco? Can well, I okay. cue it up? We'll yeah, we all yeah. have to sing, all five of us. Oh, we'll do a, yeah, a, yeah, live, we do a live acoustic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. He's gonna play. I'm gonna, yeah. I don't have a pick, but I'm just gonna do this. Ready? That's okay. Right. We're not. We're not. One, two, one, two, three, four. Back on the trail. Back on the trail. Back on the trail. Back on the trail. We don't stop until we get it all. All right, let's try that again. That? One more Wait, time. Let's One more try time. it again. Let's just, yeah. let's just have Pat Dixon do it. No, no, yeah. Pat, why don't you tell yeah. us? Pat, why don't you tell us when to come in? Somehow no, tell I'm going to mute you, D'Lo. No, don't mute me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the artist of the group. Come on. You no, can't actually, me. that was one of the things that I meant to ask you was for you to, to play a selection um, live. Oh, all right. Then let's yeah. uh, unplug. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. Pat, you don't have to play back on the trail. You can play whatever you want. But yeah, okay. if, if you even have a new one you wanted to test no, out, you, you got to play. You got to play back on the trail. You don't Somebody have to play back. Pat... You don't have to play back on the trail. I think I got this. Are you ready? Yep. Yeah. Back on the trail. Back on the trail. We don't stop till we're in a bad hill. That's the Dean Martin version. Nice. <laughs> can can we have Excellent. the Axel Rose? Can we have the Axel Rose version before we go out? Of the de the Axel Rose version. Yeah. Back on the trail, back on the trail. We don't stop till we get up that hill. Yeah. Oh man, that oh, was fantastic. That, that was fantastic. I love it. Amazing. I love it. All right, Pat. We're not worthy, but we sure are thankful. Yeah, we Absolutely. appreciate it. Take it easy. Have a good time up there in uh, D-Lo's basement or wherever you are. That's where nope. D-Lo is. Nobody's in my basement. The far-flung basements of Colorado. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> basements right. and assorted rooms. Thank you so much, man. Hee-haw. Take Thanks, it Pat. easy. Good night, Pat. All right. Well, that was Pat Dixon. Thanks for joining us there. And um, I think it's time for us to take a break. So we come right, back. Man. We've got our trail of the month, so don't go anywhere. Hey, Polly. Hey, Polly. Hey, Polly. Hey, Polly. 
Hey, this is all good, and I never listen to the trail show. Let's check out the hotline, Triple O. Hello, TTS. This is Nick, but you can call me Ray if you want to. Just want to say how amazingly beautiful and sexy my wife is walking around the house in a green trail show shirt. Mm-mm-mm. No, thank you. And also, uh, you guys are doing a good job. Uh, I proudly watch every show. So keep on keeping on. And as uh, Camping with Steve would say, if you got a tent peg, everything's a hammer. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love oh, it. that was that fantastic. Was great. Okay. That was great. I love the idea that somebody's uh, of like trail show t-shirt is, is like somebody's uh, uh, um, like sexy turn on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think that'd be good. <laughs> Just, <laughs> next you know, time, instead of a t-shirt. On Instagram. <laughs> maybe instead of next time we do, uh, instead of t-shirts, maybe next time we'll do a, a lingerie or, or like underwear, um, trail show underwear campaign. Thong, no, you just wear baby. your shirt. Yeah. You just porky pig in your shirt. That's sexy enough. <laughs> That's a good point. Just all send right. all your sexy trail show t-shirt uh, pictures to special at thetrailshow.com. Hey, let's play another. Let's go to the hotline again. We can do that. We can do that. Hey, trail show. Just had a uh, marketing idea for you guys. You know, it'll raise a little bandwidth money. How about... Big prostate brand tent bottles. You know, our backpacking uh, demographic is starting to age, and guys are getting a little older. They got that moderately enlarged prostate. I think it might be a winner. Out. Well, we were just talking about about T-shirts. What was the idea? What bottles? Bottles to pee in in the night in their tent. Isn't that, oh, what, isn't that what Gatorade bottles are I for? That's yeah. what a Nalgene was. That's but. what they're like wild, wide mouth and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. I usually carry glass bottles on trail for that because I prefer the heaviest <laughs> bottles that I can't actually secure after I fill them up with urine. I just nice. like to kind of lean all the way over to the edge of the tarp and kind of like pee upward at an angle, you know? Mm-hmm. So then kind of like arcs out underneath from underneath the tarp but outside of it, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I know know what I mean. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's time for our trail of the month. And on Zoom with us today, we have Iñaki Rainskirt Diaz de Tura, all the way from España. Bienvenido. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. (laughs) Welcome. And we've we've actually been wanting to have Iñaki on for quite a while. Um, We met Iñaki last summer when he came through on the CDT. And... I had asked Inyaki before he showed up in town because we have mutual friends, um, the Punisher and uh, Magic Mike, and I'd asked him what trails he had hiked, and man, you, the list that you sent me was pretty impressive. So um, it didn't work out to do a show then, but we're excited to have you on today. So thank you for yeah, much. And, and also, some people might 
already know who Inyaki is if they've seen a certain Pacific Crest Trail video. That's true. Um, oh, and yes. that's why I've, you know, Inyaki, when you came over to the house, I already felt like I kind of kn knew you just from having watched that video. Remind me of the, the, the documentary, the title. It's uh, Tell It on the Mountain. Tell It on uh, the yeah. Mountain, right. It was edited from uh, the 2006 PCT uh, season. And it's been on for uh, for a while already. I think it came out some sometime like uh, 2010 or something. Okay. And actually, uh, you know, I've I've met people on the trail that uh, that happened to know me because of that video. And yeah. uh, And it's like, hey, what haven't seen you before? Uh, and and it's like, hey, wait, <laughs> it was there in the in this in this documentary. It's it's a very nice doc. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed seeing it. Yeah, Absolutely. we. We Pretty well made it too. And I remember now that you brought that up, I remember us talking about that after we watched it and talking about you specifically. And um, there were some things that you said about, you know, the U.S. having all of this wild space and everything um, and what a, what a gift that is. And um, anyway. You know, it's, it's when you visit the, the U.S., North America in general, probably the whole of America. Uh, coming from Europe, it's really outstanding uh, how, uh, how much nature there is mm -hmm. over there. I feel like the long distance trail systems in the United States are something that's unique to the United yeah. States. Yeah. Um, and also the large expanses of public lands that's right. that aren't populated. There aren't towns, there aren't people. It's, it's very, I feel like it's very unique to hear. I mean, you know, there's obviously other countries in, in other parts of countries in the world that have, you know, lots of unpopulated lands, but to have those unpopulated lands with these long distance trail systems is pretty special. Yeah. It is pretty special, I can tell, yeah. Well, we, today we're gonna talk about the International IAT, IAT, the International Appalachian Trail, the IAT. The, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, um, so just to give our listeners, some um, reference that goes from the Northern terminus of, uh, the Appalachian trail, which is Katahdin up to Cape Gasp, correct? That's a part of it. Oh, so uh, that, you went that, farther. That, uh, well, actually I haven't hiked that, that part of oh, the, okay. uh, the, the section I hiked, uh, was added later. Uh, was a later addition. Since you know the, these people in the in the International Appalachian Trail are uh, trying to uh, build uh, uh, trails or uh, use trails uh, around the idea of the uh, Appalachian Mountains or the mountains that even right. even they're not called Appalachians. They 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 are from the same uh, period of time, and uh, so they they kept going uh, onto Newfoundland among other places. And that's uh, what I chose to hike uh, three years back from now. And so actually, 2017? That's right, yeah. Okay. I actually went to the IAT um, website and they talked about that. You know, and you read about that, the chain extends over into, I think, what they're suggesting is Scotland and beyond, right. um, like eventually having something that continues on. So tell us a bit about, um, where, where you started, where you finished, um, and what that was like for you. The idea was to start at the, you know, the, 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 uh, the International Appalachian Trail in Newfoundland goes uh, along the, uh, the, the western coast of, uh, of, of the island 
facing the Gulf of, of St. Lawrence, and it goes all along that coast from southern tip to northern tip. I had three weeks, so uh, there was no way I, I could do the whole thing. Uh, so my idea was to start from the southern tip and, uh, and do the taking the, the most interesting bits, because in the far in the far north, this is still a work in progress, and uh, the the road goes over tarmac. So I, I was not hiking that part. Uh, so the, the initial idea was to, to uh, start from the southern tip and uh, go uh, over uh, the most interesting bits over the, the bigger mountains they have. Uh, in the end, uh, it, it didn't turn, turn out uh, that way because, uh, and, and this is actually uh, an important part, it became an important part of the story because uh, the airline, uh, as I was flying in, uh, they lost my luggage. And, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a big bummer at the time. It turned out interesting because it changed the, 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 the trip completely. I, I was like uh, uh, waiting for a couple of days, you know, doing phone calls all, all over the place. And uh, uh, in the end, uh, I saw that uh, uh, I couldn't wait for, for any longer because uh, they didn't know where my luggage was. Uh, in the end, they found it, but it, it took them two weeks. So, uh, oh, my God. So yeah, oh. the, the the end of the story is that uh, I started four days later. So uh, I started far farther uh, farther up the trail, not from the southern tip of the island, because uh, I skipped uh, the less interesting part, which was on a on a good trail, and uh, went for the wilder sections uh, in the mountains. So in the end, I hiked okay. for a full sixteen days, uh, over about two hundred and fifty miles. Uh, in the in the mountains of uh, Western Newfoundland, I, I know part of the IAT is in Quebec, and then this section you hiked is in Newfoundland. And right. isn't there another section, maybe on Prince Edward Island or some other? Right. Yeah, yeah. And there's a section in Prince Edward Island and another one in Nova Scotia as well. Oh no, kidding! Okay, Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting in Yaki because um, I hiked the Appalachian Trail in 1999 and the idea for the IAT had just been born. And I was hiking with uh, a guy named Quercus, Quercus D. And Quercus said, man, when I get to Mount Katahdin, I'm going to keep going. And we were like, you're crazy. It's, you know, this thing doesn't even exist. And he was like, look. And he had some emails, I think, from John Anderson or, or, or one of the original founders of the IAT. And he did. He got to Mount Katahdin, and he kind of generally knew where they wanted to put the route. Okay. And he finished at Cap Gasp, and wow. that was 21 years ago. And at that point, just the Quebec section barely existed. And now there's Quebec, there's Newfoundland, which you hiked, there's Prince Edward Island, there's Nova Scotia. And then beyond. <laughs> and so, there are, yeah, there are lots of trail sections already in Europe too, and uh, e even in Morocco. Uh, they they were uh, building Morocco. trail in uh, in because uh, uh, there are some mountains in Morocco which uh, are from from the same period. Yeah. So uh, they were uh, working on that too. I don't know at what stage they are, uh, but uh, they were working on that. That should should be super interesting to hike there. Mm. But they have uh, trail sections been built also in Spain think also a bit of it in Portugal and there are plans for more and they have some sections in France, in Wales, in Ireland, also in Scotland and uh, England. As well. Incredible. 
Incredible. Yeah. How, how did you find the trail in New, Newfoundland? Is it, um, do you stay inland or are you on the coast or is it a little mix of both? Uh, first of it, uh, there is basically no trail. It's most of it is trailless. It's it's a road okay. divided over over the over the local mountains. There are some trail sections, but uh, most of it is uh, cross country, and uh, you're close to the coast. Uh, um, Newfoundland has uh, this uh, very eroded old range of mountains running along the coast, and uh, the road tries to go uh, as much as possible over the mountains because that's where the good hiking is. The rest of Newfoundland, anything that's lowland, it's uh, it's all boots and it's quite unhikeable. It's very dense boots and it's very difficult to hike there uh, if you don't have a trail. So uh, the good hiking is up in the in the hills. They, uh, they have these vast uh, plateaus uh, that are mostly grass and uh, grass and shrub and you can hike there pretty easily. So the idea is to go up the mountains and, and just go along. So you're saying that in the, the, the mountains there, um, even though they're close to the coast, you, you are, it's basically kind of tundra-y or prairie on, on, not prairie, but it's grassy on top. So you can kind of route find and the trees are down in the lowlands. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's that right. makes the route finding a little bit easier. And I guess, yeah, when you said that it was mostly off trail, I was envisioning like trying to go off trail in the woods of Maine and thinking, oh my God, like that sounds yeah. insane. <laughs> like how can you navigate? You know, it's just, you can't see anything, but, um, but it sounds like you can actually see. Um, it is mostly open country up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, grassy. There are some trees, uh, uh, but uh, it's mostly grassy. And is it um, extremely steep or is it not too bad? Uh, there are steep sections. Uh, you know, Newfoundland, the mountains there uh, are very eroded. So uh, yeah. uh, the tops are actually vast plateaus. Uh, okay. they, they're not pointy or cry at all. The only steep sections are uh, where, the, um, where the glaciers eroded uh, and then the water. So you have uh, mostly on the on the glacial eroded uh, valleys, uh, you have uh, big walls. Yeah, and, uh. and you have to go. Uh, some of some of the uh, you know the, actually the, since the low, lowland hiking is so tough, you go uh, the road goes for the for the canyons. So you enter the mountains through canyons, which are usually uh, free of vegetation. And, uh, and then you have to climb, climb to the highlands. And there you have steep sections, Some, right. sometimes very steep, but it's very limited to certain spots. I'm wondering about the water situation. So if you're up high on, on the tops of these hills and on these ridges, did you have trouble finding water to drink? No. <laughs> there's okay, water, good. There's water everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Newfoundland is, is, is all water. There are lakes, ponds all over the place, all over the place, streams. Even up here. high? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what about rain then? Did you get a lot of rain while you were uh, out there? I didn't get much, but it, it rains there. Okay. Summer, I, I've, I've been there only a couple of times and only for, for, a free, for a few weeks at a time. So my experience is just limited to that. But my impression is that the weather there is uh, in, in, in the summer is, is mostly nice. It's nicely warm, actually. Uh, but it may rain. It, it did rain on me a couple of times. And then the, the, the bad thing is you're very exposed all the time. And it's very okay. remote. Uh, it's pretty wild up there. 
So if the weather hits, uh, you can be in trouble. How many days between towns? I mean, how much food did you have to carry between resupplies? This is a bit different from the usual through hiking thing because uh, um, towns are uh, sometimes so tiny that uh, you don't even know if there will be something there. And uh, it's tricky to find information actually beforehand. So um, uh, I planned for as little resupplies as, as possible to be uh, to, to not be dependent on, on, on that as, as much as I could. So I was uh, initially packing probably too much food. Uh, for uh, seven or eight days, even though my first section was only five days. And then I hit the town. Well, actually hit the road, hitchhiked. Uh, so, uh, but I, I kept going without resupplying because I was, I was, I had enough food. But my longest stage uh, in between uh, towns was uh, five days. Oh, okay. It's not That's too bad. bad. It's not, not too, too bad. bad. This is, there is not that much uh, information about a hike like this as, as you can find for, you know, the, the, the typical long hikes in the U.S. where you have uh, even a data book where you know where, uh, when you will hit down and with, what services you will find there. Uh, this is much more open in all, in, in, in all accounts. So um, I tried to be on the safe side and I was packing lots of food for up to seven or eight days. Were most people speaking English or French? It's English speaking. Okay. Yeah, it must be Quebec. I've heard is is can be more French speaking, but that's Quebec. So that's right. Yeah, Quebec is, is French speaking, but uh, Newfoundland is uh, English speaking. Okay. I don't know if people speak French there, but uh, I never hear anybody speaking French. They have their, their own accent, which 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 was quite tricky for me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. bet. Yeah, Newfoundland is a, is a very very special place in in many many accounts. It's super wild. It's very remote. Um, not many people living there, and um, uh, it's also the social scene is also very 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 special. Because nowadays it's, it's different. Because you know it's modern times, but uh, up to you know. I don't know, maybe mid 20th century, it was uh, just fishing there. There was nothing else. Hmm. There's actually no, pretty much no farming there in the whole island. Hmm. So there's only people living in the coast uh, and they used to fish. Now they do other things, but uh, but uh, they used to be just fishermen. And it's very small communities and it's probably the, uh, among the friendliest of places I've ever met hmm. in the world. Wow. Did you there. did you see any other hikers? Not many. Um, in my last section, I was hiking uh, within a national park, and they have established road there, which is partly trailless, but it's still established road, and that's popular in its own way. Uh, it's not massive, but uh, within the island, it's, it's, it's a popular hike to do, and there were hikers there. For the okay. rest of the time, I didn't meet, meet any, and I actually okay. spent several days without seeing anybody. Wow. Hey, let, let's go back to the luggage that was lost. Um, so I assume that this luggage had your hiking gear. Is that correct? Uh, everything was there. Okay. So, so in four days, you were able to just, what, buy new gear and start your hike? That's what I did. I actually waited for a, for a couple of days, uh, two full days, just uh, waiting for, uh, for the luggage to, to show up. It didn't. 
So uh, I decided to go and buy new gear. This was another uh, very um, special um, aspect of this trip because I did it with uh, traditional gear. I had to resupply, to, to buy everything from scratch, everything. I mean, wow. I was just, I just had the, the, the clothes I was wearing in Little Else. Oh, so I had to buy everything. And I had to do this in a small town with, with uh, mm -hmm. very limited uh, uh, choice. Mm -hmm. So everything I could find was very traditional, heavyweight gear. And I had to go with that. It was very interesting because uh, it actually uh, taught me uh, if if I didn't know, but uh, you know, you prepare for one of these trips uh, and 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 you dial in the gear. You you're hikers, so you know you can't get crazy about gear. And uh, and and, and yeah. it's actually a very interesting game to play. And uh, and you dial in your gear and, and you have your, your perfect team. And you're very happy with it and uh, everything is uh, nice, lightweight and wow. mm -hmm. and, and then the, <laughs> I, I had to, to put it together in, in pretty much six hours it took me of visiting several uh, stores, mostly uh, Walmart style kind of places. And, and, and you can imagine what kind of gear I found there. It was all right. traditional, heavyweight, <laughs> cheap. And uh, I had to, to do the, what was probably the most challenging trip I had ever done in my life with that gear. Oh. And I set foot on the trail the next day and everything went fine. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's actually, you know, uh, um, it's uh, if we don't uh, know already, we, we do know. But uh, the thing is, uh, it's not the gear that matters. You can do with right. anything. Sure, sure. Totally. And in, Yaki, in you mentioned that you've been to Newfoundland more than once. Is that right? Yeah, twice uh, actually. That's okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, I was there um, a bit by chance uh, long ago. And I always had this, uh, I, I was hiking there and uh, actually hiked part of the road I did in, in 2017. And I had this, this idea of coming back and, and do the whole thing and, and do it in style. And uh, eventually I did. That's pretty cool. I feel like yeah. you might be the only person I know that's ever been, <laughs> that's ever been there and you've been there twice. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's odd because uh, if you think of Newfoundland, uh, if you think of Newfoundland from Europe, it's probably the closest you can get yeah. uh, in, in North America. But it's okay. at the same time, emotionally, it's like very far away. It's a, mm -hmm. like a very far away place. And actually the people there, actually they, they feel very, like, uh, like they live in a very far away place. Right. Mm. In all accounts. It's, it's an island, it's, it's very rough there. And they, they, they have a very harsh climate, very harsh winters. And uh, yeah, it's out of the, um, out of mass tourism quotes, uh, not many people go there. It's actually very, very, very uh, rough place, but uh, very beautiful and interesting. Uh, people is super nice, and nature is just amazing. It's super wild. What What about wildlife? What kind of wildlife do they have there? They have uh, moose is very abundant. Okay. Uh, it's actually, once you go in in the hills, it's very easy to to see moose. I, I would see moose pretty much every day. Mostly. Wow. Okay. And uh, caribou are, are very outstanding because they're very special. They uh, they don't they are not usually found that far south, but yeah. uh, in in the hills uh, they have this tundra-like environment that they kind of like, uh, and it's very easy to spot caribou as well. 
So did you see some some caribou? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. not not as uh, often as moose, but uh, caribou go in herds. Uh, well, right. moose uh, are usually on their own. Yeah. So uh, yeah. in the end, I probably saw more caribou than, than than moose. They also have bears, but I didn't see any. I've never seen any seen any in uh, in my two visits there, neither scat or uh, or prints. So either they're not that abundant or. Uh, it was somewhere else, I don't know. Or, but, yeah, maybe uh, they're they, down in the trees, maybe. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably. I have a question for you. Where Where did you get your information for planning? Uh, the IAT NL chapter website, mostly. Okay. And uh, there are a few hiker sites uh, with information about this. Uh, not many. Uh, actually, just the, the, the year before uh, I went there, on 2017, that means in 2016, there was uh, a guy hiking the... The same road I did. Uh, I, I did a bit longer, but um, uh, there is a certain certain section which is very special, which because uh, because you are hiking on on top of uh, some uh, very special rock uh, which comes from the earth a mantle. That's a very a very strange phenomena, which mm. happens uh, here and there in uh, in a few places on Earth. And uh, so they, they have this hike with a name. And uh, this guy in 2016 was uh, said to be the first person who hiked the whole thing. So n not many hikers there. Yeah. But this, yeah. Guy, this, this, this guy had uh, some uh, hands-on information that I could use. Okay. And then the, the locals hike the, the area, I guess, kind of regularly. They go there in the winter with the snowmobiles as well. So here and there you ha you find bits of information. Most of it comes from the uh, I Newfoundland chapter website. They have okay. quite quite some information there, and they're very approachable. Uh, they have a, a few people working uh, on the project there, and uh, you can write them. They're super friendly. They will help you with information, okay. everything. Yeah, we'll post a link to that website. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious now. Like, I want to do some Google Earth and image searches of, of Newfoundland because I feel like, I don't know, it's like this conflicting image that I have in my head of, like, grassy hills, but then, like, the dense wooded trees, you know? Um, it sounds most really of, beautiful. Yeah, most of, most of the island is just rock and boots. Uh, it's all wooded, and uh, it's a very thick uh, forest. Uh, the yeah. trees are small because uh, mm -hmm. it's very cold there in the winter and uh, it's mo mostly spruce i think uh, and it's super thick and most of the of the land is just just woods lakes it's being heavily glaciated so they have lots of lakes and rivers and everything and then the, up in the hills it's where it get, gets grassy were the um mosquitoes bad not too bad uh there were mosquitoes but uh they were they weren't too bad at least uh, none of the two times i've been there there were some but no, no, not too bad it wasn't terrible. It's quite windy no it's ah, quite windy. so okay. yeah i guess down in the boots uh, it will be buggier but uh yeah sure. you shouldn't spend much, much time in the boots anyway yeah because if you just look at like a google map of newfoundland it looks like mosquito paradise <laughs> you know? so I, but the, i bet the wind helps and it also if you're up in the hills yeah. you're not down there where all the perhaps all yeah, the up in the hills it, it wasn't too bad it was always kind of windy and uh, mm -hmm. there weren't back any bags there do you plan to do more trips there i would like to um sometime i would like to go back uh, there is this uh, neat idea uh, about crossing the island uh, 
uh, east to west or west to east actually uh, that was my, my my idea i had a uh, some book uh, written by a couple guys who did it uh, long ago and there is some guy who did it a few years back uh, there's information on his website and that would be a killer of a hike uh, should be very very tough because it's uh, fully off trail west to east uh, you can find some line of hills uh, which is your, always your target in newfoundland because in the lowlands it's unhikeable you know it's right. very slow right. through the woods uh, here and there you can go through the woods and that's fine to link sections of hills but you should always aim for the hills because that's where the where the good hiking is and uh yeah i would i would like to do that sometime west mm. to east ac across the island uh, there are there are some highlands there not as high as on the west coast but um probably enough to uh, provide for some grassy areas to hike it's very slow hiking anyway because yeah. it's, it's all off trail but um, yeah it should be should be great it's super wild sounds incredible yeah it does sound incredible is there anything else that we should know about the newfoundland section before we let you go uh, maybe what well, i just mentioned but um maybe i should go through through that um further because it's a very special thing this uh igneous rock uh, forms oh, yeah. uh, part mm -hmm. of the of the hills in western newfoundland comes from the earth mantle i don't know for which processes but uh, um it's very spectacular because it, it's it's a rock that um, gets rusted in uh, uh, when when it uh, surfaces so um it's like uh, light brown and um, the thing is um it some of the minerals in it uh, are kind of toxic to plants so okay. it's very very barren mm -hmm. and this is a very good thing actually because uh first thing uh makes uh, the hiking very spectacular it's like like hiking on mars hmm. if you s mm -hmm. recall these images of uh, of, of, of mars it's, it feels like hiking on mars and second huh. there's no vegetation that's uh, that's a very positive thing to to hike in Newfoundland. Right. Should aim for the places with no vegetation because the rest is pretty much unhikeable. So so you hike on this thing and um, it's truly spectacular. It's, it's super beautiful. Actually, when when I uh, when, when people see my peaks, uh, there are lots of I mean the the, the share of uh, barren landscape landscapes is it's it's uh, bigger than the than than it's not representative of of what the place is so people tell me hey this is like a desert and uh and yeah i uh i tell them hey uh this is where you hike as yeah. much as much as you can because yeah. the rest is, is, is super tough but it's not representative of what the island is uh, uh it's just a few stretches but it's truly uh special uh because it only happens uh in a few places in earth it's actually very special hiking there and then do you have photos uh, online yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I did a whole report on the on on, on this trip uh on my website oh, can we uh post a link to your website then yeah sure sure absolutely oh good good yeah i would like to see those photos too it's, i want to see photos uh, of the whole trip because i'm curious i just want to yeah I feel like my brain is really trying to imagine what the space looks like, but it's having a hard time. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, uh, the place where the ponies in, um, on the 18th. Grace, Grace and Highlands. The Grace and Highlands mixed with like yeah. the rocky, like thick forest of Maine. Right. Okay. Like, um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to look at the pictures too. 
it's very spectacular place and, uh, and the most uh, outstanding thing is how wild it is uh, it's just the way it's always been uh, nobody ever lived there except on the little communities on the coast mm -hmm. so the highlands uh, nobody lived there ever hmm. so it's a nature as it says did you eat any fermented fish while you were there uh no fish is actually very <laughs> very popular there because uh, they're fishermen and uh when you go to town any restaurant will have uh, fresh fish fresh cats mm. it's excellent actually sounds yeah, good sounds good yeah it's very good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i know in some of the scandinavian countries they eat fermented fish and i was just curious about the, the they probably do there. it there too I, I i never tried it there but uh, they probably do that too i don't know <laughs> yeah fresh fish fresh fish is much better yeah that sounds better yeah, yeah. Cool. you usually get the fresh cuts from the days so yeah uh, yeah yeah it sounds delicious everything it relates to the sea in newfoundland because mm -hmm. uh, that's their highways uh, that's uh, their uh, farming that's everything they have yeah cool so everything they used to have well, thanks for um, shedding some light on, on the, uh, the Newfoundland section of the IET. It's actually kind of interesting to think about that there's all these different sections and they seem kind of very independent of each other. I, I don't actually know very many people who have done any of the sections um, except for that part up to Cape Gasp. So I think, yeah. you know, these other sections are a little more out there, you know, and I think it's pretty mm -hmm. cool to, um, I'll be really excited to see your photos and have a better understanding of what that looks like. Hope you like them. I'm sure I will. Oh, we will. <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Inyake, for oh. joining us tonight. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can have you back on the show sometime in the future. Talk about It'll all your other pleasure, trails. Yeah. <laughs> cool. my pleasure. Thanks to you both. It was great to talk to you again. Absolutely. <laughs> great. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks very much. So the interesting thing about that interview is that um, I think we went into it thinking we were going to talk about Katahdin to Cape Gas because that is the traditional international I, uh, Appalachian Trail segment, I think, that most of us... It was the original. Yeah, the original. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But there have been so many segments added on since then, and um, it was really actually pretty cool to talk to him about Newfoundland and, and that section because... That yeah. I know nothing about, and I think that's probably new for a lot of people. Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, multiple countries in yeah. Europe, yeah. Morocco. I mean, at some point, there's just going to be a big loop. Right. <laughs> the IAT is going to make a big loop. It's going to go from Morocco down to the bottom of Africa, across the ocean again, up through South America, and hey. somehow it's going to connect to Key West and then... That's that's yeah, a right, that's a hike for somebody. You won't be able to you won't be able to through hike it without some pretty advanced like uh, underwater hiking gear. <laughs> yeah, you know. or a boat maybe, yeah. or a pack raft. Uh, what's uh? Yeah. <laughs> or what's just a, a raft pack from, raft from Walmart. And a lot of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a speed read of our donors. Bernard Wolf, Russ Notfuss Kinder, Craig Pisco Goey, Chris, what I got? Bobby Walters. Richard B. Glasgow, Joshua Bowdown to Job Bowden, Trevor Smoker, you got it, the Bowl Smoke. Man, Sean Weedman, Jeffrey Cottonmouth Caldwell, Diane Pickers, David Bullapas, as big as your three month old so baby, hey. Biddy, Justin hey. Quality, Knowles, so quality. Jason Lurch, not Church Dean, 
Don't go after Gerard. Rudy from CaffeTikerPodcast.com. Hi, Rudy. Hey, Rudy. Pat the Bouncer Dixon. Hey. On the trail. El Domingo. Hmm. Uh, Stephen the Hustler out. Russell. Amber the Brew Cruz. Renee Schubert Patrick. Wesley the Haggis Roll. Addict Greenwood. Kevin Chicksey Cross. And Sasha Honeydew Codet. Thomas. Tebow Not Tim Williams. Tommy the Meat Popsicle Stevens. Beep, beep. Joseph Pecoraro. <laughs> Branded the Lost Balls, love lady. Where'd they go? Shira the Switch Lady and Brian the Big McNamara, Patty Sissy Matiscala, Phil Felipe Gilbert, Kill Bill Cottrell, Dave the Geo Hale, Hannah Dykstra, Steven swept away but last TTS yell called me Robin, so I'm going with that from now on. Hood, Anthony the Brad Pitts, Bob Death March Trombley, Rachel Die, Merchant, Eric Adequate Johnson, Dan. Thom, son, Martin, the rawest water swank. Thanks for the beers. Ross. Mm, and so Mark Homier is our newest monthly VIP. Welcome nice. to the group, Mark. Welcome. Yeah. We're glad to have you. And what and, are we drinking? And we have some one-offs. Wait, wait we have one-offs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anthony Flash Pace. Hey, Tony, I need your address. Please respond to my email and confirm your address. We gotta we send have, you some swag. Yep, Glenn Houts, please respond to my email and confirm your address. <laughs> Glenn House, wow, the one-offs are now just gonna name? be called the the, the confirmation addresses. <laughs> right, the confirmation. Uh, John, the toothpick, Anderson. TP. TP. Just sticking them in those teeth. <laughs> and and he is the gentleman who requested a replacement toothpick for his Swiss army knife. Oh, and John, it should have arrived by now. And if it hasn't, it's probably not ever going to arrive, but it got sent. <laughs> Just know that. <laughs> it's lost to COVID. Yep. Yeah, let's and check you it might out. Wanna, you might want to... St- Sterilize it just just for good measure. I'm not yeah, saying anything. You alcohol know. wipes, maybe a flamethrower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've moved on to another um the Aerovice back, baby. Aerovice tart ale. Uh mm. oh. it's really good. This is another Kansas uh Kansas one, Wichita. The Kansas joint. I'm drinking the Weathered Wit from Cinderblock Brewery, which is an independent brewery. It's got 5.2 ABV. It's in a 12 fluid ounce can. And D'Lo, do you know where Center Block Brewery is? Oh, he just left to get some more um, sparkling wine. D'Lo just left the building. Anyway, it says that it pairs well with fruit salad, lobster, or bacon omelets. Those are all very different things. They are very different. That's Interesting. true. It's quite delicious. Are, wait, are you supposed to eat all of those together? Yeah. I hope so. That'd be an interesting meal for sure. <laughs> That would be the lobster and bacon omelet alone would Gross. be interesting. Yeah. Dilo, are you? Um, did you go get another Bartles and James, Dilo? Oh no, sorry. Yeah. I had to. Ju- I uh, I got myself a uh, Melvin. Yeah. Cloudy. What does that say? I can't really read it backwards. Cloudy two thousand. Cloudy five thousand. Cloudy five thousand. Hazy IPA. Hazy double. That's it. There's two eyes in that IPA right there. Two eyes in that IPA. Double. Hazy Double Man, from Melvin Brewing good. Company, Alvin Wyoming, Alpine, Wyoming, which is just right outside Jackson. Might as well be Jackson, although the rent's probably less than Alpine because you're not in Jackson. 
and it is coming in at a heady 8.2% ABV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as heavy as the Florida man, though. What's the Florida man? 8.5, baby. 8.5. There was. Yeah, I apologize for dropping off this call. I had to join a family birthday Zoom call. No problem. You were you were <laughs> two Zoom calls going at once? Oh, this is like my third Zoom call of the day, actually. God. Yeah, it's like hey, serious. Zoom, zoom, man. zoom, man. I've I've actually been sitting in this room for many. <laughs> you woke up many an hour. I have. I actually have a lot of days where I, I have like four, five, four to six Zoom calls a day with my students. I so what? I I did get outside quite a few times yeah. today, though. I I mowed the lawn. I bought some polymeric sand at the landscape yard. I bought a bag of popcorn from a young man. A lot of stuff happened today. Wait a minute, you, you bought a bag of popcorn from a young man. Let's Do not tell. get into that it. That sounds suspicious. Let's just <laughs> not, yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound very uh, socially distant. No. Mm-hmm. That's all right. it, it wasn't socially distant, but I bought a bag of popcorn. Well, right. I mean, hey, if you're willing to trade your life for some popcorn. Yeah. Knock yourself I'm, out. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dilo, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. He drinks that boulder urine. He's protected. I I mean, yeah. It's Ooh. called herd immunity, people. We're all infected. We're, we're, we all have the virus. It's in the water. All right. While we're padding, I, I guess see. we're going to have um, Matthew Nelson on in about five minutes. Okay. He is the executive director of the Arizona Trail Association. And I think it's kind of ironic that we're doing a, a real story on <laughs> construction of a border wall and it doesn't involve Delo. I don't know if y'all remember. <laughs> there was a, a whole period of time where Delo was oh, yeah. working yeah, on was. constructing a border yeah. wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if we can work that into this call I, or not. I actually dug the first uh, the first hole for the border wall. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. We can talk about that when we get our friend from the uh, Arizona Trail oh, on the show. It, all right, everybody. We've got a special treat tonight. On the line with us is the executive director of the Arizona Trail Association, Mr. Matthew Nelson. And I uh, contacted him after we got an update from the Arizona Trail Association about uh, something that's going on at the U.S.-Mexican border. And we're going to get an update on exactly what that is. So thank, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're excited to talk to you. We specifically wanted to talk to you about the wall um, because this, we know this is impacting the ACT. And Dilo is particularly interested since he took some time off work uh, a couple of years ago to help go help build the wall. So he's pretty excited to talk to you about uh, the wall and Fill us in on, on kind of the flesh out the story for us a little bit so our listeners will have an understanding of this specific aspect of what's going on. Okay, yeah, great. Um, the Arizona Trail is 800 miles long. And anybody who's ever spent time on a long distance trail knows that it's not so much the tread, it's not so much you know the trail itself, it's the trail experience and where it takes you. And in talking to lots of different through hikers, um, a lot of people talk about like there are th- these three most important moments along the Arizona Trail or along any long distance trail. It's where you start. 
your aha moment somewhere along the way and it's where you finish and sometimes the finish is at the end of that long distance trail and sometimes it's when you've had enough or you know whatever and of those three places, two are fixed. You know, it's a matter of geography. One is at you know the southern terminus, in this case the U.S.-Mexico border, and then one is at our northern terminus, which is at, uh, at Utah State Line. And the stuff that happens along the way is kind of the you know the the, the good juju of of the trail experience. And so, as a nonprofit whose job it is to maintain, uh, maintain and promote and protect the trail, um, sometimes when projects come along like a pipeline or a mine or anything else for that matter, a power line, then it's the responsibility of our organization to figure out, okay, what's going to be best for the trail in this scenario? Is it to talk to the project proponent and say, mm, consider moving your project. And if that's not an option, then maybe we can move the trail and use like the hillsides and natural screening so that the view sheds aren't compromised. Because let's be clear, this is a national scenic trail. There, this is one of only 11 in all of America that was so important and so scenic that Congress, and it's hard to get them to agree on anything, that Congress said, yes, this is worth protecting in perpetuity. And so we try to make sure that there's no net loss to visual resources and the trail experience. Interestingly, the, the places that were chosen as the northern terminus at the Utah line and then the southern terminus at the U.S.-Mexico border, that was very intentional. And that goes back about 30 years. And on the southern end, it was intentionally chosen because it's inside a National Park Service unit. And it's at a monument that is believed to be where the place where the first, you know, non-native crossed from Mexico into Arizona in the 1500s, Coronado, Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. And so it has incredible view sheds as you go from Sky Island Mountains into the grasslands of Mexico. It's got historic significance. And it's really hard to move the trail from that one spot because that's where the international line is. And for the past 30 years, that area has been border barrier free. It's a monument in the middle of the desert and where it meets the mountains. And Border Patrol has maintained an observation tower a mile and a half away up on the hillside where they can view the borderlands and respond as necessary. And our kind of cooperative understanding with both National Park Service and Department of Homeland Security is that this area would remain free from a barrier as long as you know, they could use technology to monitor the border. Uh, but that all changed last month when we found out that Department of Homeland Security was planning a two-mile wall through Coronado National Memorial that would essentially sever the southern terminus of the Arizona National Scenic Trail. And it's not so much the wall itself, you know, which is a 30-foot tall steel barrier where the steel columns are filled with concrete. So it can take mortar rounds, it can take tank missiles. Like literally this thing is built to be forever and 30 feet tall of steel. As if that weren't enough impact on the viewshed, uh, it's all the infrastructure that goes along with it. There's a road, there's permanent lighting, there's linear ground sensing technology and there's cameras, and there will be motorized vehicles, military vehicles essentially, that patrol this area. So what has been a national scenic tranquil experience will soon be completely and totally transformed unless somehow we as an outdoor community convince Department of Homeland Security that it's in their best interest to preserve the landscape and preserve this trail while using things like technology to keep the border secure. Mm, that's a Great. lot to unpack. Yeah, that was a fantastic synopsis. <laughs> I also uh, saw yeah. some information about, you know, the wildlife aspect of it, um, you know, and, and how that's going to cut off some migratory routes for some large cats and, and, you know, all kinds of different animals, um, which is also just, you know, more of the same. I, I, you know, there's just so few routes left for some of these creatures. 
Um, so it, it's hard to stomach that part of it as well. You know, I, I know jaguars have been documented, what, in the Santa Rita Mountains, just north of the Mexican border, right along the AZT. And I mean, you know, we're not talking about mountain lions, folks. We're talking about jaguars. Like, you put a wall up, you're going to close off any kind of migratory routes that that were happening. I mean, you're going to do it overnight. I, I don't know. I just think the impact of wildlife has to be huge with a 30 foot wall. I feel like the impact all around is huge. I mean, you, yeah. you know, uh, everything from, from wildlife to views to uh, just the, like, I mean, the disruption of construction of something like that, uh, mm -hmm. the impact on the landscape just from the construction of it, uh, let alone the, the lasting impact of having, I mean, well, what's the point to, um, especially if it's, you know, somewhere where they've got an, a, at this observation tower already, what, like some, and they're watching for people crossing the border. They can't do that with, with eyes and infrared or whatever, what, the idea that you have to have this wall seems a little excessive. Uh, yeah, I mean, like excessive doesn't seem like a strong enough term. Yeah, I think the the wildlife aspect is something worth bringing up because you all have spent time on trails. How important is wildlife to your outdoor experience? Uh, it's it's huge. It's what, especially with the Arizona Trail, I through hiked in 2017, and the wildlife on the AZT, especially the southern half of the AZT, is unique amongst any trail experience you're going to have in the USA. I mean, getting to see like Cotamundi or, you know, any, just start naming off the species of rattlesnakes. Uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just, the wildlife is just so unique to that area. You know, I mean, Gila monsters where you don't see Gila monsters everywhere. You have to go to Southern Arizona. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge piece of the Arizona trail yeah. in particular. And I will say that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of bears. I, I don't even know how many bears I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and I take that for granted because when I talk to like normal people, most, many people have never ever seen a bear before. I mean, not unless it was like in a trash can. For me, knowing, having that perspective that like, when you go out into wild places, this is one of the things that you can experience is especially large animals seeing a bear and um, elk and moose you know here in, in Colorado but all these different types of large uh, megafauna as Dilo would say and I and I also think that like if I were to hike the Arizona Trail I most certainly would not want to see a jaguar but the <laughs> knowledge the knowledge that you're hiking in the type of place where a jaguar can exist is yeah. also very special being in a place where you know the ecosystem is is healthy enough to support such an apex predator um, and such a large animal is is in a way just just the knowledge I think is is really special and I think when you close those things off I think trails lose a little bit of their mystique. Agreed. My own personal experiences in the desert and in the mountains, uh, wildlife do play an important role in the trail experience and it's not just because oh look it's a deer oh look it's a quaddy oh look it's a i mean odd and incredible creatures that live here but it's the trail is like is the means you know but the the end is is the is the like nature immersion and nature immersion is not just walking on a trail it's not just about tread 
because if people really wanted to walk on dirt, they could do that in a city park, they could do laps in their own backyard, but that's not it. Like these long pathways are also like long landscapes and that return to something completely and totally natural and non-mechanized, like we need that, that is vital for survival. It is as important as air or water or anything else. And it is so hard to find that. There are few long distance trails that provide that kind of an experience and you almost have to experience it to get it because the amount of hate mail and pushback and angry people that have reached out over the past few weeks is depressing because they're saying, get over it. It's worth it in the interest of Homeland Security. Get over it. The trail will be safer. Get over it because it's just, you know, it's just a trail or it's just the view. And, and it's hard to respond to that because I know that they don't necessarily get it. But that wildlife aspect is vital. Like, yeah. yes, if we just look at the tread, maybe we'll lose 150 feet of trail. And the Southern, you know, monument will be, you know, forever transformed. People can probably get over that, but that wall will block out every migratory creature that yeah. is going from grasslands up into the mountains. And people, lots of people have their own idea about what, you know, what Arizona looks like. They think about the U.S.-Mexico border. They do not envision this massive mountain range that within a couple of miles of the U.S.-Mexico border, you're hiking in aspen trees, you're at a 9,000 foot peak, there are black bears, like this is the Arizona Trail experience. And so that wall severing these, these you know, incredible megafauna, like jaguars and ocelots have been documented in the Huachuca Mountains, the Canelo Hills, and the Santa Rita Mountains. All of those three are connected by the Arizona Trail. All of those creatures have been documented on the Arizona Trail. They're using this National Scenic Trail, and there are photographs to prove it, as a migratory pathway. We put up 30 feet of steel. It's over. Yeah. And Matt, I had to admit, I, I didn't actually know what an ocelot was. I had to look <laughs> it up. They kind of look like bobcats, I guess. I don't know if they're about the same size or not. I, I, I had no idea they were in southern Arizona. They're pretty elusive, and there are only a few that have been documented. But yeah, just like jaguars, can you imagine seeing a jaguar in the wild? Like yeah, oh. maybe in Brazil, oh. Or oh Panama, my God. but in yeah. southern Arizona, ah! yeah. the fact that they exist is amazing, and it's important. And it's you know, even though there are a few of them that have been documented, what what that's showing is that they're coming further north. And jaguars eat javelina, which is that wild pig-looking thing, mm -hmm. and they eat coatis. Both of those things exist down in uh, Central and South America. So as these critters have traveled further north because of changes in the climate, the jaguars are following them. So the jaguars are returning to their like historic home range in Southern Arizona. I think that's important. I think that's pretty special. And I think it's worth protecting and preserving. Yeah. Matt, is, this, is this construction happening right now? Are there, are there construction crews on it the is ground? Not. It is not. There are construction crews on the ground right now. Uh, this two miles that we're talking about that would impact the Arizona Trail is part of a larger 74-mile wall building project uh, that was proposed in March, released to the public in April, although there was, you know, nobody found out about it. I wasn't even told about it. I found out about it by accident because land managers really aren't talking about it. They're federal agencies. They've been told to not really share this information with the public. And so I found out about it almost by accident. Uh, and I'm so glad I did because then I was able to, you know, reach out to people, trail advocates and the trail community and people like you to kind of help, um, you know, share this story because the conservation movement and, you know, you know, human rights and wildlife, a lot of these things have been talked about. So now for the first time, this is about to impact recreation. 
And I really hate to attach dollar values to anything because the trail experience is priceless. You can't put a price tag on it, but the outdoor recreation industry is like $850 billion industry in America. It's bigger than aerospace. It's bigger than pharmaceuticals. It's humongous. And so if we can rally together the outdoor community and say, wait a minute, I'm a taxpayer, I'm a voter, and these resources are important to me, so let's find a compromise. It's not wall or no wall, it's what can we do to support homeland security while preserving public land? Because this is, this is in the National Park Service unit. Isn't, isn't the answer to that just extreme digital surveillance? I mean, why, why can't there just be yep. extreme digital surveillance? Like the wall, like people are gonna come around the wall, people are gonna come under the wall, they're gonna take planes, planes fly over the wall, we all know this. But it seems like in a, it, it, you know, and a wall might make sense in an urban environment where it's really easy for people to cross quickly and then blend in, right? And if you want to prevent that, a, a wall in an urban environment, sure, like maybe we could see that. But in a wilderness environment where there ain't nowhere to blend in, you're just out in the wilderness, like if you had the blimps just hovering over the border, filming down with high, high speed internet feeds back to people sitting in rooms like we all are now, watching there's somebody i mean they can they could do it all with in, in with infrared sensors infrared. Yeah. is the reality you don't you, you don't need that type of infrastructure and you certainly no. don't need it everywhere i mean like you, you know it's it's one thing if you've if you really must put up walls places um it's one thing to have them in in some areas where you can't have that much of a like a yeah, technological and human presence to be able to detect people trying to come across the border but in in an area that has uh you know historic uh ecological uh recreation um you know all sorts of different significances or importances uh the idea that that like you 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 need to go with like this sort of extreme eyesore and and extreme impact and, um type of solution sounds a little silly not to so, mention a, an entirely huge waste of money. I mean, how oh, much yeah. money does it cost to build yeah. a gigantic 30-foot steel wall mm -hmm. in like such an area that's so remote, you know, up over mountainsides? Like, yeah. my goodness. I'm sure there's nowhere else it's we 20, can use that yeah, money 20 right million now. a month. 20 million, 20 million a mile. God. Man, imagine how much yeah, coronavirus, how much coronavirus <laughs> testing you can get for 20 million. And, and so, the, and it's supposed to be two miles mile through this, the, the, the park service uh, um, unit. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm I'm just curious what that that park service unit could do with forty million dollars. Right. <laughs> or I, mean, I have a question. So, what's the next step? Like, what what can mm. we do? Um, I what mean, can we we, do, Matt? we we all obviously here are are in agreement that you know this is a big waste of money, um, and completely unnecessary. But, um, you know, the man in charge wants this wall built. And so what, what can we do? What, what's our action? Okay, action items. You got, you got yeah. your pen and, pen and paper? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. For Andy? Okay, so I, I think that there, is an, there are three things that I think are very important. One is to write a comment email to Customs and Border Protection. The deadline is today, interestingly oh. enough. Uh, and so I would recommend that people send an email tonight. Have an IPA, okay. send an email. It'll make you feel good. <laughs> uh, the other thing that you can do is contact your senators. Send an email to your senators and say, hey, 
I just found out about this project and it doesn't matter what state you live in really because this is a national scenic trail that impacts the entire national scenic trail system and people like Lawton travel here from other states and some a lot of people travel here from other countries so contact your senators and say this is an important resource to me I hear it's going to be impacted by Department of Homeland Security please consider compromises and alternatives that'll take you a minute and hopefully you know how to contact your senator. They love hearing from you. Don't forget that nobody contacts their elected representatives. So when they get an email from you, it's the equivalent of a thousand people, literally. So don't underestimate sending a message to um, those who uh, represent you in Washington, D.C. Uh, and the third is spread the word, really tell friends about it. You know, whether you, you know, social media or your wonderful opportunities like the trail show just really kind of spreading consciousness because we've all been our lives have been shaken upside down by the coronavirus everybody is living a completely different life than they were a few months ago and unfortunately our administration is pushing forward a lot of projects right now including wall construction in a wildlife refuge a national park and, and public lands throughout the borderlands while we're all busy dealing with coronavirus so it's yeah. been easy to be, um, to be distracted by this. Yeah. And so if you want that email, you ready for the email? Mm -hmm. Please. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, great. So I'll give you the email address. And this is essentially the thing that you should do tonight because tonight is kind of, you know, the end of the official um, comment period, which is not like a normal comment period because uh, the wall is exempt from all environmental laws. So everything that you can imagine from the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act to the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, all of those get thrown out the window when it comes to homeland security. So it's still worth writing a comment letter. The address is Tucson Comments at CBP, as in Customs Border Protection, dot DHS, as in Department of Homeland Security, dot gov. Tucson Comments at CBP dot dhs.gov and they want you to include um yeah your comments about um, projects that are happening in cochise county which is uh, which is what, what's it what should the subject line be matt oh thank you so much for asking that because that's important <laughs> because if you don't include that sometimes it just goes off into uh into cyberspace so uh the comment line should include cochise comma pima comma and santa cruz county's border barrier projects march 2020 wait cochise once again oh my god <laughs> how do you spell cochise? Say that again. okay c-o-c-h-i-s okay c-o-c-h-i-s-e comma pima p-i-m-a comma and santa cruz s-a-n-t-a-c-r-u-z counties Border Barrier Projects, March 2020. You can also go to the homepage of our website, aztrail.org. That's an easy one. And find yes. out more information about uh, how to submit your comments. aztrail.org is a good place to get your reliable Perfect. information on the Arizona Trail. And also become a member of the Arizona Trail Association. While you're there. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. We'd Matt, appreciate, we'd appreciate Matt that. thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. And talking to us about this most important issue we're going to try to get a blast out to our to our listenership tonight since the deadline is now so this was yeah. timely yeah 
I sincerely appreciate the opportunity. I, I was telling uh, Princess of Darkness that I don't listen to many podcasts, but this is the absolute best one I've ever listened to. And I've listened to five, so oh. you're the best out of five. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, we'll take it. It's pretty we'll good. take it. Yeah, totally. All right, Matt. If you could just go on iTunes and leave a, uh, a, a, a review to that effect, that'd be great. Yep. The deadline for that it. is tonight, too, by the way. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, and uh, thanks for, for raising the red flag and, and, and keeping and for, on. For just the work you guys do, yeah. you know to to build and maintain and advocate for for uh for the trail yeah it's my pleasure and our goal is to keep it wild and scenic and beautiful in perpetuity uh and this is this is just another one of those steps and it's not about the wall really if this project were happening in tucson or flagstaff or the mogollon rim or anywhere anywhere else we would be saying hey this is not okay but if it were happening anywhere else there would be a public comment period an environmental impact statement an analysis mitigation not in this case which is why we put up the red flag and said, scream loud to the agency and to your elected representatives, because unless they hear from a lot of people, then we're going to lose more public land, which would really be tragic for us and future generations. And so, so Matt, just to confirm, tonight is the, la is the deadline for comments on, on the construction of this border barrier. And what's going to happen after tonight? The only information that Customs and Border Protection has shared is that they will compile the comments and make them publicly available. Okay. But so they won't necessarily respond, but. Right. And we can still contact our elected officials after tonight, but tonight's the deadline for the comment section. Exactly right. Yeah. But it's important that I think that those who represent us in Washington, D.C. understand that outdoor recreation, long distance trails, this is a priority for us. And sometimes we're having such a good time out on the trail, we forget to remind them of that. And they're so disconnected from it because they're on an airplane, they're in DC, they're back home. They're like, it is an, it's a rat race. And I appreciate those who are willing to do it, but they need to be reminded that these outdoor places are incredibly important. Totally. We're on it, Matt. Yes. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you hey, so much. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Matt. All right. Well, that was a great update. Um, I'm going to yeah. send my email tonight before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I tell you what, we got to take a break. When we come back, we've got to ask a hiker with Mike DiLorenzo, so don't go anywhere. Raise a glass. The trail show is back. We're back with more from Ben's tick and insect repellent. When we left Ben, he had been bitten by a ton of mosquitoes. I need something wicked tough to stop these skeeters. Also, I need clothing. Ben swung by the local trading post for a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans before heading home. Once he arrived, Ben began working on a concoction to keep bugs away, but everything he tried failed. 
mud just made him dirty. Pine sap was too sticky. And don't even ask what happened when he tried bear scat. That one's definitely out. After months of failure, Ben succeeded. It works. Sasquatch, come try this. I made it to keep the Skeeters away. Put it on me, bro. I'll test it out. One hour later. Ben. Ben, dude. It works, dude. Dude, this stuff is unbelievable. We have to tell everyone. Ben. Ben, dude, what do you call it? I call it Ben's. Ecstatic with the amazing success of Ben's, Sasquatch ran off to find hikers. If you've ever had a Sasquatch charge you, you won't be surprised by what happens next. We'll have the rest of the story from Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent later in the show. I'll just throw in a little personal anecdote here. This is Disco. When Peewdy and I hiked through the Sky Lakes Wilderness on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2008, we encountered the worst mosquitoes in the history of man. And as much as I would love to use things that contain citronella, lemon eucalyptus, and all sorts of good vibes and B vitamins, the only thing that kept us sane was Ben's 30. And without it, I think we'd be like in a puddle somewhere in Sky Lakes with our blood completely drained from our bodies. Anyway, enough with anecdotes. Wait, you can, can I, visit. I was gonna say Ben's thirty. Come on. Yeah. Now. I so use Ben's ben, one. Ben's one hundred, man. I don't even joke around. If I'm gonna sport <laughs> deep, man, I want the most deep Go I can possibly get, man. I'm not. No, no joking around. But you know, yeah. I, I do use Ben's one hundred. I swear by it. I put it on my children. Um, and like in all honesty, it's clothing. Like as Ben discovered here, he went to the trading post to get himself some trousers and a flannel shirt which works wonders to keep insects from biting you. <laughs> well, you can go to bens30.com slash trail show or on amazon.com. Sweet. Out of order, do we have any more hotline calls? Ooh. We, we go to the hotline. One more hotline call. Ooh, let's listen to it. Yay. Let's do it. Lay it on us. This is actually an important question. Bear sweats? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm getting my uh, pack together for the uh, for hiking the PCT, and uh, I have my UV flashlights and extra batteries, but I didn't know how many gallons of bleach I should uh, pack out with me in order to keep uh, the coronavirus away. Do you guys have any thoughts on this, uh, or if you know the statistics on it, uh, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> I, I can only assume he's he means for injecting right yeah yeah I think so. yeah and he did yeah. say gallons yeah. plural <laughs> yeah i mean you know i mean it's really kind of a personal call you gotta kind of know about how much bleach you need uh intravenously per day in the desert uh you know and that varies person to person and and, and whatnot so so and i definitely i definitely consult like the internet and uh maybe some like really unreliable news sources first i mean white house uh, what, special, what if we're talking yeah, about yeah. how many that gallons be a good place to special, start. special mm -hmm. what if we're talking about how many gallons of bleach <coughs> you should include in your bounce box <laughs> you know i don't think you really need to do that because typically bleach is going to be one of those things that's available in town so you'll be oh, able to not, all of not in the time of coronavirus not in the time of coronavirus yeah man supplies are low bleach. supplies I mean, are low on the bleach right now like if you the, had invested in bleach stocks batch 
back in January, you'd be a millionaire right now. Well, I here's wonder... the thing. I just wouldn't rely on the postal service to get it to you these days because like, you know, they're trying to close them down right now. So what I might do if I were you uh, is go ahead and get all the bleach you need uh, and go and, and cash it out in the desert um, or wherever, you know, along, bleach. Route, uh, along with all the hypodermic needles you need for all of your injected oh injections. God. Or just reuse um, them. Josh Illegal, please weigh in, man. Please. <laughs> I actually, no, I think reusing your bleach needles is probably fine. I mean, you're injecting they're, bleach. They're like self, yeah, they're yeah, like self-sterilizing. Totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like you a self-cleaning oven. Josh Illegal. Is that hey, our trail tip know, of the month? Did that segue into our trail tip of the it month? It did. Re is, yeah, I think it has. Reuse your hypodermic needles. Your bleach if you're needles. Injecting bleach. Yeah, and as well as cash gallons of bleach along your hike ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. Trail trails are legal. Is not too worried about lawsuits from anyone who's injecting bleach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh we, man we think we'll be fine on those okay all right that was wow. great that's uh i think i'm pretty sure that was frito roll tie garcia that, that called him yeah i, I guess so. i guess we won't be hearing from him again <laughs> <laughs> i don't uh, know maybe you can't find any bleach on the store show true true uh how about i read some mailbag items yeah let's go to the mail i like that idea yeah okay hey trail show long time listener first time donor this is but a small reflection of both my unending appreciation for the most informative and inspiring 10 stake reviews in the podcasting universe, which I've listened to from coast to coast, and my humble yearning for a trail show sticker to proudly display on my trusty, dusty beer, bear and beer can. Thanks for doing what you do, Anthony Flash Pace. He was one of our one-offs this month. Flash. Flash. The Flash. Um, the fast hiker. Yeah, he's a fast hiker. That's a good trail name. Um, let's see here. I also have one. Let's see. Dear Trail Show, I need some closure, some follow-up. You featured a few guests over the years that have vanished. Where are hmm. they? Where is Ratatouille? Has he, gasp, retired from hiking and podcasting? What about What about Buck 30? I know he was on a recent show, but what is he doing? Maybe a, quote, where are they now, unquote, episode. You can update the Trail Show Nation on Buck 30's current whereabouts. Probably rejecting the local cuisine somewhere far away and choosing gallons of Diet Coke and Pizza Hut instead. Which, <laughs> which segment is upsetting the onion these days? A quarantine uh. recipe from Salty? Adult diaper recommendations from Squatch? The only thing keeping me going right now is the trail show, raw cookie dough, and fidgets memes. Cheers. Hoping trails and parks and the world can open soon. Cream top. Hey, now Cream let's just top. take a second to appreciate fidgets memes. I know, man. She, she does have... It's she amazing. Does have, yeah, she does have some great memes. She's got the yeah. strongest meme game of anyone I know. She yeah, was I, the first I person? I stolen quite a few of hers. And Who some of them, the like, I, I don't even... Beauty? What, who did, cream, that, talk, who did oh. cream Talk ask about first? Sorry. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Okay, I actually wrote it. Go ahead, Spesh, but I, I do know the whereabouts of most of these people that were mentioned. Oh, no, that was it. I just needed to step back and say, yeah, we all should appreciate Fidget's memes. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll update Cream Top on some of these people. 
Ratatouille is retired from both podcasting and hiking, <laughs> long distance hiking. Um, so how about that? Uh, I'm not Buck sure why 30. I about that. I don't know. Yeah. So I'll, last I knew, so the, the, the filing tax deadline mm. for 2019 taxes got extended to July 15th. Don't quote me on that. But my belief is that Buck um, in the accounting world might be uh, working still. Um, the Onion. The Onion is lost in a sea of people somewhere in the greater Washington, No, that D. person D. wanted to know what segment is upsetting The Onion these days. Well, every segment. I mean, oh. he, he hates everything. <laughs> Any segment that has to do with ice. <laughs> Squatch. Squatch was... <laughs> Nice. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Squatch, I don't know if it was under wraps or not. Squatch was uh, going to be filming a new project somewhere between Colorado and California. Oh, well, he oh. just wanted to know uh, his adult diaper recommendations. Yeah, he didn't want to know where he didn't really care what Gap, he was doing. Yeah. Gap khakis. Gap khakis <laughs> are the, the recommendation. And salty? What was the question about salty? They wanted a quarantine recipe. A recipe. Um, well, I'll tell you what salty dropped off on my doorstep for my birthday. Oh, there you go. A 90% dark chocolate bar and a kombucha. There's your quarantine there it is. recipe. Quarantine wow. Does she not like you? Mm, she loves me. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they are. I don't know. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that Salty's also got uh, some some recipes um, on her her site that you would yep. be able to go check Katie. out. And depending, I mean, you could anything's a quarantine recipe if it's quarantine times. That's <laughs> <laughs> KatieGerber.com. <laughs> All right, should we do Ask a Hiker with Mike uh, DiLorenzo? Um, yeah, we've yeah. got him in the room. We should do it. Okay. Question number one. Hey, Trail Show. I know gear is boring, but making stuff is pretty cool. Is there any gear you have all made yourselves that you use or any gear you have been wanting to make? Now is a good time for some DIY projects. Hope you all are healthy, happy, and well-stocked with beer. I can't wait to get back on the trail. Best, Alex Trendleman. 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 Anybody, anybody any made, made any gear? I know I've that beauty and disco. Of gear. Yeah, disco. Tell I mean, us what I, type of gear I, you yeah, made. Yeah, I've made some gear. Okay, and then special. Tell us what kind of gear you made. Disco, go. So I went through a phase of making lots of gear. I made a a two person railway tarp, which POD and I have used extensively um, on the Pacific Coast Trail and other trails. I made a railway quilt, synthetic quilt, which was too bulky, and I immediately sold it. <laughs> I never even used it. I made it and I sold it. Beauty remembers that mm -hmm. sewing in, at our apartment <laughs> Lakewood. Uh, I made so many stuff sacks. I don't actually know how many. Lots. Never made a backpack. So mainly just a tarp and a quilt. And Disco, I, how made, did you... I made a net tent that fit Ooh. Ooh, you did the tarp. We also made rain, rain kilts or rain skirts. And so did the two of you teach yourselves to sew? I think so. I mean... I already had some sewing experience. I'm not a mm -hmm. seamstress by any means or tailor, but... Um, Your mom is My mom phenomenal. is a phenomenal 
seamstress. I mean, she can make anything. Just kind of like watch videos, read books, well, read an article about how I, to sew and just no, practice. I have no idea yeah. how normal people learn how to sew. Mm. I did sewing projects growing up, so I already knew some basic things about how to use a sewing machine, oh, you know, how yeah. to fix things mm -hmm. when they would break and how to do some different types of seams and, you know, some just basic things. So Right. So you're better than the normal people. No, no, no. I'm just saying I don't know what normal people but do. Not for, not for that reason. Right. No. I mean, I am, yeah. but I don't you know. You are. Yeah. Okay. Normal, cool. I don't know what yeah. normal people do if yeah, they don't have access like, to a parent who can teach you're like them a, how to you're sew. You're like a super person. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can call myself normal person. But, oh, special. Uh, Go ahead. I, I definitely did learn to sew in uh, in home ec when I was in like middle school. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. now, interestingly enough, I haven't really used sewing a, a whole lot in my gear making. Uh, most of the gear that I've well, the big thing that I made was a Cuban fiber tarp, and that was that was uh, involved some sewing, but it was also a lot of like use using pressure adhesives um, mm -hmm. to like you know basically weld pieces together and to like fold stuff over in order to make seams and and whatnot and i've made some other like small things with with cuban um and i've done like a lot of gear projects like i took an old sleeping bag uh and cut it off um like at the waist and removed the zipper from the bottom half and then like sewed it up and put a elastic band around the waste so that I could use it as like a half bag in conjunction with a uh, like a jacket like a you know a big thick down jacket or whatever so and, and I've done a lot of like modification of packs that's involved sewing and removing mostly but a little bit of like mm -hmm. tweaking and adding so yeah. so it sounds like sewing is a prerequisite to making your own gear because most of your own gear is <laughs> pieces of fabric that are sewn together without yeah, correct I would say sewing I would say sewing is a skill that you can learn while you're making your own gear like if you wanted to start with smaller projects like stuff sacks or like you know um, start by like figuring out how how long the straps on your the backpack that you have now actually need to be and then like yeah. you know sew those to the correct thing or like you know, if you've got a pair of pants that have gotten torn up, like sew, sew a patch on it, you know, uh, you can, you can start, I think it's best to start with uh, simple projects and simple repairs uh, in order to kind of figure out what you're doing. Uh, and then before you know it, you know, you might be able to, to not think that uh, making an item from scratch sounds quite so crazy. I carry a thread needle on every, on every long distance hike I ever go on and even on shorter hikes. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've had shoulder straps from two different backpacks bust thread in the middle of through hikes. And I think the most important thing you can know as a hiker is how to do just a simple hand stitch to like, for instance, I, I had a go light breeze on my 2002 JMT hike, RIP go light Delo, And the shoulder strap threat, like the stitching came loose in the middle of nowhere on the middle of the JMT. And I had to sew it back And my little hand stitch. You know, I spent 10 minutes to do it. It worked. It held the pack till I got done without that. I would have been in bad shape 
because basically one of my shoulder straps was completely useless. So, yeah. so learn, how, learn how to do a hand stitch. I've had to do the same thing with, with like uh, uh, zippers on tents before and, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I, I always carry a needle. I don't always carry thread. A lot of times I actually use uh, for like, Say it, say it. Yeah. Say it. Do it. Come Dental on, floss. Ray Jardine. Yes, Dental Ray Jardine. Floss. Channel the ghost of Ray Jardine right hey, He's now. still alive, man. He's oh, he still is? alive. Oh, yeah. He's I think not, he lives he like a, around here. He has he a ghost, here. too. Yeah, he has Actually, a ghost that I've, just floats I've around. Climbed, I've climbed mountains that he and Jenny have climbed, you know, really like remote mountains in the front range here that don't have trails. And they do have registers, and you open the register, and Ray and Jenny were there. Nice. You know? Really? Yeah. I think we should move on to the next question. Okay. You should. Sew your gear with dental floss, bring a needle in your gear, and in the off-season, learn how to sew. Yep. Question number two. After listening to NPR during my daily commute for the past several months, I finally caught back up with the Trail Show Back episodes. It's great to hear new voices, but I miss the other folks. Looking back on your storied trail careers, what would you say is your most favorite part? Your initial exposure to backpacking, when everything was new, uncertain, but exciting. The prime of your... We already did this question. Damn it. Yeah. See, I was looking back Where were you all last the... month? You were oh, asleep, this you son last of a month, bitch. Man? Ah, all right, yeah. whatever. All right, Come on, then man. I got one more question here. We're going to skip this one because I, I went back through my notes to see if I had asked this one before, and um, I couldn't find that I did, but I guess that's because I fell asleep last month. Yep. All right, yep. next question. All right, hold on. Let me strike through that one. Oof. All right, question number three. To hike or not to hike? That is the question. I know, I know, I know. I'm supposed to stay home, flatten the oh, curve. Man. But what if I went hiking? What if I went out for 500 miles, a month and a half? Could Ooh. I do it and maintain my social distance? Could I do it and not spread the disease? Could I do it and not get arrested? Could I do it and not hitchhike? Should I do it? I know their answer is no. Stay home, save a life. But if I am not sharing shelters, not hitchhiking, buying food at grocery stores with my mask on, just like I do at home, is this really any different? Discuss among yourselves. Be honest. And if you don't mind my and if you don't find my idea evil, then any ideas of a 500-mile trail with no hitchhiking would be welcome. Love the show. Love the trail. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love your earth. <laughs> and love your mother, Louie Love. <laughs> question number three. Actually, oh, that was boy. number two. Because question number two was a repeat because I fell asleep last month. The water is hot. The water is getting hot. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. Uh, and I I'm think and we all. i that too. We, yeah, you should yeah, be. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the water just got hotter. The water just got even warmer. Now. I don't know. Do you want me to talk about it? I mean, Yeah, we all got to talk about this. But honestly, you know what? Like, if you don't have to hitchhike and you can just walk into town and go to the grocery store just like you do at home and then walk out and you're not sharing shelters – I really don't see the difference between doing that and staying in your house. I, I, I honestly don't like. What if you, know? you need medical services? What if you what need if medical you services? Hurt? What if you get hurt at home? What if you need EMS to come and rescue you on that trail while you're out there when they could be devoting their time and energies to COVID-19. What happens if you're 10 miles from home and the same thing happens? Well, you're 10 miles from home. You're local. Well, you're where you, you, still might be. Need, you still might need to be rescued. You could be yeah. three miles from a trailhead and if you break your femur, you're going to have to get rescued. It doesn't matter if you're and three miles 
from your house or three miles from not your house. Mm. Yeah, but I'd say like a short day hike in Boulder is much less likely to end in an injury than a 500-mile month-long through hike. Agreed. I don't know that I do agree with that, actually. I think that somebody who's who's getting ready to go out for a 500-mile through hike uh, might be a little bit better prepared than your average person who's going out and doing a bunch of day hikes in Boulder. But this uh, is not about the people... average person versus the average through hiker. This is about a particular person. Mm, and a particular true. person is better off on short day hikes. There's also yeah. there's also the legal issues, right? Like some counties uh, have closed their open spaces, their national forests to to folks to really maintain that stay at home order. So I think you do have to research if you are going to go out and do this, and you know you you need to know if you're breaking the law or not because people are not going to be thrilled if you're breaking the law. Uh, in fact, you may get arrested, you know, so like you, yeah, you got to keep that I, in mind. So I, I've actually thought about this from like a leave no trace perspective, because this actually has like the whole uh, leave it where you find it uh, principle at work. And, and yeah, you can do what you can to limit your, your exposure to the people in the grocery stores that you would be coming into contact with and all of that. And yeah, you could do it with a mask just like you do back home. If you're out doing a 500 mile hike, you're probably doing that in a more rural area. Those grocery stores are gonna be more rural. The medical facilities that they have uh, are probably not gonna be as well equipped. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, that it's real easy to, to uh, decide that you're just gonna go ahead and do it and you're gonna be real careful and it doesn't matter. And maybe that's true. Um, but I think, I don't know, might not be a bad idea to err uh, as much as you can on the side of, of caution and on the side of, I certainly would, yeah, as others have said, like, I wouldn't go anywhere that's closed, right? I, mm. I, wouldn't, I would not recommend going anywhere that's closed. And I was going to say that, you know, right now, for example, um, in Colorado, they're saying don't, you shouldn't be going more than 10 miles from your house. But every weekend when I'm out on the trails here, I see tons of people that are not from here. And I know they're from far away, probably front range and beyond. And fine, whatever, that's their choice. But I think, me personally, I think if the orders are lifted, like, yeah, you can recreate statewide, then you can recreate statewide and that's your choice and you're not breaking any laws and there's no restrictions. If there are restrictions in place, just like when there's fire restrictions, I think we need to honor those. Consideration. Yeah. I think it's a big thing about consideration, whether you're being considerate of statewide ordinances, such as stay at yeah. home or safer at home here in Colorado, or rolling into some town where you clearly don't live there and everybody gives you the stink eye because they're kind of like, who the F is this guy, right? Like you gotta be very considerate of that because like that is disrespectful to all those people who at this point in time, and it'll be different next year, but right now they don't want you there. They don't want you in their town. They don't want you buying their groceries, right? So it's a, there's a consideration, being considerate of the people that you will encounter, even if you aren't a mask, whatever, didn't hitchhike, not staying in a hotel, yada, yada, yada. The idea of like, oh, I'm going to go do 500 miles. All right. Well, that seems like kind of an arbitrary thing. If what if what you're if what you're jonesing for is to get out and and hit some trail, you you can do that within the confines of like what's what's opened and closed. 
uh, you can do that in, in, in a way where you're not going up and spending time in rural communities, uh, but simply driving from your doorstep to a very remote trailhead or a very remote area where you're accessing, uh, you know, open back country or something like that. But a lot of stuff's closed. So it's, it, it's, it's going to mean that, you know, if you want, if you want to recreate ethically and, and still do it within the, the bounds of like what is allowed, you're going to have to get creative. And that might mean figuring out a bunch of, of smaller things that you can do um, and, and not, not having some like arbitrary 500 mile thing. This isn't maybe the time to, to pick out a segment that you want to go do of a trail and go do it. This might be finding the place where you can go out and do some recreation at this time uh, within like the, the bounds and, and figuring out that rather than uh, how to get around uh, what's going on um, in order to like t tick something off of a different list. So it sounds like we agree that if things are open, then you can go hiking. And if things are closed or there's a restriction, then you should honor it. Don't hike Sinitas on a Saturday at 11 in the morning. <laughs> Too many people. Oh, All right. man. And with that, three, two, one. <laughs> I like the lo-fi version. Yeah. You did? Thanks. Uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. I'm queuing up the techno music. We've got a tent stake to review, but yeah. first, Ooh, yeah. let's rock out. All right, folks. You know, now that we're doing this all on Zoom, there's like some opportunities for some video footage, right, of this whole thing. I'm recording. Yeah, that's why I've been picking my nose the whole time. Let me let me pin your video, and then you should uh, do that again. Do your dance. Okay, yeah. now do it. <laughs> okay, now shotgun a beer. I don't have any beer. Shotgun and wine. Yeah, somebody from Instagram said that they would not listen to the trail show ever again unless D-Lo shotgunned a beer during this show. <laughs> not going to happen tonight. I, right, need to be just, in, I need to be in a shower. We yeah, just so lost another D -Lo, listener. D-Lo, there's a uh, unofficial trail show uh, Facebook group. Page. Oh, I think yeah. I saw that. Somebody, the video. somebody post the video of you, your failed I shotgun. Thought. Yeah, I know. I uh, so we're not actually going to review a test thing tonight. <laughs> what? We are, what? We are going to give an update. Mark Weatherington Jr. did send us a $50 donation um, for Disco. Why, and why did he send it? Because Disco was able to open a beer bottle with under, what, two seconds? It was, um, yeah, nothing flat. Despite POD's inability to record a video. Don't bring it up. There was some problems after the show because of that situation. POD was taught by the Sasquatch videographers of America how to record videos of things. That's best. Anyway, he did send us a donation, and we passed that donation along. We passed half of it on to Feeding America, which is a, a national uh, food bank uh, it's trying to provide meals for um, students. And the other half we gave to No Mas Muertes, or No More Deaths, which is uh, Martin Swank's organization that he had talked to us about. Two great nonprofits, if you want to check those out. I'm very sad we're not doing a tent steak review, because I literally was walking off trail just through the woods 
and found a tent stake in the middle of nowhere. Let's see it. Let's. Do you have oh, it? It's in my car. Go get it. Go get it right now. Run, <laughs> run. I'll review uh, it next show. Okay. okay. We'll review it next show. Try to do some things with it between now and then. That, you know, give us some. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you should figure out some like uh, some around the house, uh, you know, COVID uses. quarantine uses for tent sticks. Toothpick. And you know, grown <laughs> uh, people who are Q-tip. And if and if anybody has ideas for for tent stakes, like uses around the house for COVID times, email them in. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think my email is like special forty one at the trail show or something like that. Fingernail yeah. cleaner. It is. So, hey, yeah. I want to find out what happened with Ben. Hang tight. Let me cue up the closer music, and we will get to the spot. I promise. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to Inyaki for talking to us about his hike of the International Appalachian Trails Newfoundland segment. Big thanks goes to Matt Nelson from the Arizona Trail Association for talking to us about the border wall issue affecting the Arizona Trail right now. You can get more info at aztrail.org. Big thanks and praise goes to Pat Axel Dixon. Mm -hmm for speaking to us about his new album, Hey Ho. It's full, of, it's full of trail show hits, new and old. Get your copy today on iTunes, Google Play, or apparently at Spotify. And thanks to our show sponsor, Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent. Hey, y'all need to try Ben's to keep the bugs off you. It's so gnarly. Or Sasquatch tried to tell the hikers but even though Ben never had trouble understanding him, all the hikers heard was, Wait, come back, bros. Back at Ben's cabin. Bro, Ben, bro, bro, Ben, bro, bro, Ben. You need to tell the people about this because when I try to tell them, dude, they just run away screaming, man. You're right, Sasquatch. I'm going to make so much bends until so many people you'll use it all across the united states of america and someday maybe the world and with that ben put his bends in a bright orange bottle his favorite color and traveled america showing how his new hampshire made and tested bug spray worked against even the worst bugs and that is how the best bug repellent ever was born the end ben, ben bro uh, yeah, buddy? Are you still going to give me that Benz you got for free? Benz Ticket Insect Repellent is made and torture tested in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. If you want to stay bug free while you're hiking through Alaska or the Sky Lakes Wilderness or any other horrendous place when the oh, bugs the are ready to carry you off, Grace Meadows. Check out Benz. For more info, Ben's30.com slash trail show. And you can find Ben's right now on Amazon. Put Ben's all right. on all your body parts. <laughs> all? Oh, yeah. Oh, just your exposed body parts. Sorry. Well, I mean, you know, if you're if it's like naked day, that might I be. I mean, your whole yeah. Exposed body, body parts. Day, Take a bath. Coming up. Coming up. Take a bath in Ben's. Thank you. Big thanks to Ben's. Thanks and praise to all our monthly PayPal donors. Get yourself a trail show koozie and some stickers for a $15 or more donation at thetrailshow.com. You can always find us at 
thetrailshow.com. On Twitter, Trail Show, and Instagram and Facebook at The Trail Show. On Spotify, Stitcher app, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and of course on iTunes. Thanks everybody for eight years of Trail Show. We wouldn't be this far without you. Thanks and praise to all of Trail Show Nation and all of you. All of you. POD. Scratch, oh, I was like, are you talking to us? Well. <laughs> all of you for making this happen. Uh, until next month, after our, this will be the one month anniversary after the eight year anniversary. Until then, for POD, DLO, Special 41, Triple O, Inyaki, the good folks at Ben's, Matthew Nelson, everyone else, Matthew Pat Nelson, Pat Dixon, Dixon. Dixon. the I'm ghost Disco. of P Mags, Sasquatch, Ben himself, <laughs> and himself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. D E T. That's a crazy show. Imagine music playing in the background right now. I can imagine it. I, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I can almost hear it with my heart. <laughs> Stay All right, off guys. The trail. Well, eight years. That's We're awesome. Eight years. Yeah. Amazing. We made it. D'Lo tried to quit on us a couple times. I did. But I can't I wait allow for it. I no, just for the 16 year anniversary. I- where we're actually broadcasting in hologram form, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> it was only Ooh. once when I tried to quit and I wasn't allowed. You couldn't quit us, Dila. You couldn't quit us. <sighs> I tried really hard. That's when you started working on the border wall. Well, just don't expect any gangster rap. If you got a tent peg, everything's a hammer. Ben! Ben, dude, what do you call it? Back on the trail, back on the trail, we don't stop till we're in a bad hill. Hey, tell those kids to pipe down, D-Lo. <laughs> Trying to do a damn podcast here.